der einzige Markt für das, was jetzt und in der Zukunft wertvoll ist. Die neuesten Sneakers, Kleidung, Elektronik, Sammlerstücke und vieles mehr. Alles hundertprozentig geprüft und authentisch. Mit StockX hast du Zugang zu Millionen von Produkten, die ausverkauft oder schwer zu finden sind. Und alle für den Preis, den sie wirklich wert sind. Denn wir alle sollten das kriegen, was wir gerne haben möchten. StockX – Zugang zu aktuellen Trends. Finde, was du brauchst auf StockX.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that thinks Chelsea has had a very, very good week. Indeed, if Carlsberg did good weeks, then this one would certainly qualify. Chelsea beating Atletico Madrid by out-shithousing them to reach the Champions League quarterfinals for the first time in seven years... Spurs, Spurs getting knocked out of the Europa League with Mourinho on the verge of a full-on meltdown. And then uh, on Saturday, uh, was it? No, it was, it, was, it was Sunday, wasn't it? Yesterday, Chelsea reached their 25th FA Cup semi-final by beating a spirited Sheffield United 2-0. Wonderful. Now, it seems a bit harsh and a bit churlish to criticise yesterday's performance after all of that. But let's face it, Chelsea's second-half performance did have me reaching for the Imodium. Uh, luckily, there was no follow-through. Uh, yet again, we failed to create much, and on another day, the Blades would have scored at least one of the chances they created. But winning FA Cup ties is all about the result, not the performance. And the way Chelsea are defending at the moment, if sides can't score against us, then we're in with a chance of beating anyone, which is probably a good thing, considering we have Man City in the semi-final. Uh, of course, the other thing you need to win cup competitions is luck. And so far, it seems that Herr Thomas Tuchel knows how to ride it. Long may this continue. Uh, now, uh, Chelsea Fancast 806, Sheffield Steel. With, with an EAL, not with, S-E-E-L. Exactly, JK. Pointed out, need to be pointed out. To the that, that's exactly why you're here, JK. Right on cue. Thank you. It needs to be. Fantastic. Well How well are done. you? How are you, dear boy? Are you well? Good, thank you. I'm good. Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. I've been um, I've been attempting to play a bust of Shakespeare today in a cartoon. A bust of Shakespeare. A bust of Shakespeare. Yes. I didn't know he had. Does it man boobs? Oh, George. Oh, 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 yes. Uh, but they didn't want him to be um, uh, uh, well spoken. Had to be. Uh, had to be either speaking like that, or you had to speak like that. Because they said no, we didn't want posh. They said, could you, could you not do Cockney? Yeah, well, he did that. He said, oh, I quite like that. He didn't. He didn't either. Up here, he was a brummy though, Shakespeare, mate. That's right. You'd have been like that, wouldn't you? That's yes. right. I don't think he was particularly. The quality of mercy is not strained. That's right. To be or not to be, that is absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, the earth is full of noises. The earth is full of noises. Sounds of sweet airs that give yeah. you light and it's not. Exit pursued by bear. <laughs> very appropriate for Warwickshire anyway always lovely to see you and always lovely to have a few surreal gags with you before we talk about football it kind of lightens the mood it does now um, 
I would say we have two very serious but also highly intelligent and very witty people with us tonight. Jonathan, would you like to introduce them? Oh, well, well, uh, I mean, um, uh, uh, yeah, there is the, the wonderful Martin Wickham, of course, who is uh, erudite, witty, uh, informed, uh, very amusing on um, uh, on WhatsApp all the time. And uh, The checks in the post, Jacko. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Goody, that'll be about 50 quid if that's all right. And then, <laughs> and then the sublime, the superb, the... The not on the show often enough, the beautiful, the 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 history hack, the 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 person of great wit. Oh, she's got a bit bold with me. It's Alex <laughs> Churchill, everybody. Woo, 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 oh, woo. you're such an arse licker. I love it. Oh, that's not arse licking. That's the truth. <laughs> Do you know what? I think I think the routine that J.K. and I and I have got going now is redolent, a word that I love to use, of crackerjack. Uh, with um, I can't remember. There was the little short Peter fat Glaze, bloke. Peter Glaze. You are the Peter Glaze to my Leslie Crowther. Exactly right. There you go. Just Google it, kids. Kids, get on YouTube. And... On behalf of the other half of the room, what the fuck are you talking? Exactly. About? Well, that's when I say kids, I'm referring to you. Get on YouTube, kids, kids, and weep. That's all I'm saying. Right. What a lineup we have tonight. I do I do love the fact, you see. I mean, you know, Tuchel goes on about this saying, Oh, the squad is the perfect size for twenty five. I am very happy with the size of the squad. Well, like Thomas Tuchel, I am very happy with the size of the fantastically qualitatively brilliant squad that we have. Which means I get to see different people every week and I love it anyway. It's gonna be a good show tonight. I can feel it in my bones. And on it, yes. Your Tuchel's a bit gay. No, not really. He speaks a bit German like that, you know. Better, that was better. I thought you guys went a bit. Different. Did I go a bit gay? Yeah, I thought so. Did I go a bit cabaret? Aid Edmondson in Blackadder. Okay. Yeah, the, the the man from Ron Rick Diven works, okay. weren't it? Okay. Oh, right. it is my great pleasure to meet you, Lord Flashout, and all that stuff. Okay, all right. Welcome on Bienvenue. Welcome. I don't mean gay in a nasty way. I mean in a nice way. But There's nothing wrong with being gay. Anyway. No, exactly. Can I do the show now? Yeah, of course. You sure? Uh, no, I've got more. No, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, right. On the show tonight, uh, we will uh, discuss Chelsea getting away with it and how lucky is Tommy Tuchel and another poor, poor, very poor refereeing performance as Pulisic and Mount were rotationally fouled. Uh, was tiredness a valid reason for the second half performance and the continuing problem of putting chances away? Whilst, of course, doffing our hat to Ziyech's excellent goal in uh, injury time, uh, in part two, we ask, is Pulisic finding his feet with an encouraging performance? Chilwell did well, but is he still behind Alonso in the pecking order? And it was good to see Gilmore getting a game, but how is he progressing? And can Chelsea's defensive solidity bring us trophies this season, especially considering we have Man City in the semi-final, because it's a very cup-oriented Chelsea fan cast tonight. Now, in part three, uh, because we've got no uh, no midweek game to preview for a change, uh, we've got some questions from our Discord group. Uh, we've got, finally, the nominations for this month's fannies. Well, we'll be working them out. We've got loads of suggestions, mainly coming from the Discord group, of course, and uh, we're going to go through those and find three or four in each category which we can let you lot vote on uh, through Twitter, Discord, wherever I can put it, really. So that's Man of the Month, Celery, and Guinness Moments. And finally, to wrap up, as always, got lots of uh, emails from the uh, listeners for JK and I to read out. So there you go. Now, don't forget, of course, as ever, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is M-I-X-L-R 
youtube.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you are already doing. It's a full house tonight. Bloody hell, they're all in there. Gaffer, Loza, Chris M, Sean B, France, France Blues, Nick, Benny the Blue, Kepler, Albert the Second, Mark Meehan, Eddie Mac, B-A-W-A, Kev, Chev, Aussie sign my broken leg. Rob Coombe, Yaren Levy, Daryl, Claire Burt. Oh, Brian. It's just, I can't, I just can't read anymore because I'll just go mental. But there's so many of you. It's really lovely to see you all in there. Right. After this very little, oh, of course, you can tweet us anytime you like or Facebook us or Instagram us at, at Chelsea. There you go. Sorry, Chelsea Fancast. Get it right. You should, we thought I'd know that by now, wouldn't you? But there you go. We'll be back in a minute. Talk about the football. So, so, 2-0 against the Blades. Uh, further breaking the lovely Ben from the Travelling Blades heart, JK. What about you? What say you? What are you giving us this week? Are you going to well, talk about the kite? They all, uh, yes, we'd like to talk about that. Yes, uh, because I'd like to defend Martin Keown, actually. Because How I'd can like, you defend the indefensible? I'd like join issue with all of those who've given him a hard time. Tying, tying, a hard time. A hard time for saying that Peter Osgood's nickname was the kite because he could indeed hang in the air because he was indeed the kite. We all sang and indeed still sing, Born is the Kite of Stamford Bridge, don't we? <laughs> and indeed, that was that was Ozzy's main attribute as a player. That's why there's a statue for him. He could hang in the air like a kite. They had to tether him to the goalposts. He was so aerodynamic. He had to put special lead weights in his shorts to keep from blowing away. In fact, all the 1970 Cup winning side had glorious nicknames. We've always thought Peter Benetti was called the cat. Wrong, wrong. He was, in fact, the bat. Easy mistake to make, calling him the cat. He was the bat as he could hang in the air and even upside down from the crossbar. Similarly, we all thought he could fly, take off a little bit. We all thought that Ian Hutchinson, the great goal scorer and long throw export, was called Hutch. No, no, no. He was called Inson. Hutch Inson, as in getting instant. Tommy Bourbon, you thought he was the sponge? No, he was spinach. Always had a vegetable smoothie in the pub. Was known as a teetotaler, teetotaler in this unbelievably healthy bunch. Eddie McCready, you thought was Big Mac. Wrong. Veggie burger. Peter Houseman told he was Mary. Nope. Marmite. You either loved him or hated him. Johnny Ollins. Ollie. Nope. Sparkling water. That was his nickname. Charlie Cook. Cookie. Nope. Gluten-free biscuit was his nickname. So, in fact, hats off to Martin Keogh for getting it absolutely right. He was indeed... The kite, yes. In the same way that uh, that uh, uh, Zuma was on loan last season and uh, Chelsea never, ever won the FA Cup. The only t- t- only chairman they've had has been Abramovich, which are statements that he made during the match. So uh, uh, well done, Martin Keogh. And well done, JK. I thought that was utterly brilliant and very, very funny. And uh, my only... Uh... Any apology for Martin Kieran is that I think he's still concussed after my after <laughs> Nigel Spackman quite rightly knocked him out back in about 1994. The thing that I still love and always mention to Nigel Spackman to this day whenever I bump into him. Um, 
I want to kick the ball rolling tonight, really, uh, on a theme that I kind of talked about a few weeks ago, Martin, which, uh, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte's favourite... I should really have asked this to Alex, as she's the history hack, but... Uh, in fact, do you mind, Martin? I will, as it's a history Yeah, question. well, I'm, I'm already a little bit disappointed that, you know, I was. I thought I was going to get the first chance to call Martin Keown a wanker, but I've been beaten to that, <laughs> so... Um, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, know. Uh, you know what? A humourless wanker. I remember him standing by the corner at an away game. I think it may have been Goodison Park. And we were singing a song about how he looked like a monkey, because, frankly... He does look like a little monkey. Was that the cup but, game? Because he had to go through the upper yeah. tier of the stand. Yeah. And he, he looked uh, like he'd rather be anywhere else but where he was. Yeah, and he he just uh, was not very... I just thought, you know, uh, if you get that stuff, you just have to laugh along with it, don't you? Like Robbie Savage, you're a C-bomb, you're a C-bomb. He laughs along with it uh, on the side. It's football fans. You know the game. Keon was all like, I don't have to take this at work. Oh, I've, told, I've told you, Mike. You I've told you about um, when I was on, uh, when I was producing that programme for Nuts TV. And uh, we, we had this toy, you know, those toy monkeys, that, you know, little kind of fluff, cuddly toy, you know, that bang symbols together. Yeah. Well, we had one. Of, he's about about a foot, foot and a half big, and we we removed the symbols because they they got in the way of our grand plan. We found a like a baby sized Arsenal shirt, which we put on the monkey, <laughs> and we had it on. We had the boys, uh, D- uh, Jeff Norcott and Dave Vitti, presented the show sitting in lazy boy chairs, and we had this little coffee table between them, and we had the monkey there, and we would always refer to it as Martin Keown. Yeah. It's unfortunate, Martin, but you're you're a big grown ass man, and you do look like a monkey. That's Martin Keown, not me. Yeah, for avoidance of doubt, I don't want any <laughs> yeah, litigation going Martin on Keown, live during the show. Martin yeah. Keown, if you're listening, you're big enough and ugly enough to accept that you look like a monkey, and that football fans will give you shit. For one of it. one of my great joys at Stamford Bridge. On. One of my great joys at Stamford Bridge is. is 40,000 Chelsea supporters all singing in unison. Keown, he's got a monkey's head. He's got a monkey's head. He he just reminds me of Frankenstein with the bolt taken out of his neck. Let's (laughs) face it, he's a twat. And I don't think anybody can sue us for saying that because it's proven. (laughs) You can't. Truth hurts, Martin. I've noticed recently he's been wearing specs. He's got some black horn rimmed uh, specs to, to get, supposedly to make him look more intellectual. Yeah, he, now he just uh, looks yeah. like a monkey wearing No, glasses. he looks like Homer. <laughs> there is an episode of The Simpsons where Homer finds a set of glasses that have been dropped in the toilet, puts them on, and starts trying to act like an intellectual. The glasses look like that. He looks like that. It turns out as the joke is Henry Kissinger dropped his glasses in the bog. <laughs> and if you if you find it, it and you, I got a still of it, I'm sure I've posted it a few times. It's an absolutely brilliant resemblance. All right, now I am going to ask it to Alex because she is the history buff amongst us, and she's a genius at history. Alex, you will remember that famous quote from Napoleon Bar- uh, Bonaparte, which was, "Give give me luck." I mean, basically paraphrasing it and misquoting it dreadfully. Give me lucky generals, not good ones. And and I've got a real feeling about Tommy Tuchel that he is a lucky general. He's also, I think, a very good one. But, you know, he put in a side yesterday that was actually very close to what uh, me and JK figured out on Friday and uh, and Clayton figured out on Friday um, <laughs> against a, a Sheffield United side that I thought would be a lot more nuggety having had their asses handed to them 5-0 the weekend before. And he kind of got away with it. He's a, he's a lucky manager, mate. And I think that's brilliant because you need luck to win cup competitions, don't you? 
if at any point he tries to march on Russia, though, we need to intervene on Twitter. Put <laughs> into that shit. We send him to St. Elba or something. Yeah. Well, St. Um, Hel- I get them mixed up. It's Elba and St. Uh, St. Helena, isn't it? Can I just say that I just don't necessarily think it is all up. And speaking with my football head and not my heart, the difference is palpable in how he manages a 25-man squad yes. to how Frank managed a 25-man squad. I don't think Frank Lampard's a bad manager. I don't think he's incapable of preparing 11 men and sending them out to win any game and talking them into winning the game and geeing them up and getting the training right. I don't. In terms of a top Premier League side and managing a squad through multiple competitions, our beloved Frankie was woefully out of his depth. And this is like daddy's home are you allowed to say that are we allowed to yeah just i agree way? with her no i agree completely but i just wonder i'm being sensitive to even if i didn't people. agree with her she's allowed to say it yeah and i know but you know i love that lampard i love him we all do we all do but you're, but you're absolutely right daddy's home is what it feels like except except we don't score very well but i We're think we're gonna get onto that I yeah, know, but, but I thought I just fine. But don't forget Conte when he first arrived. Remember what he said when people whined about that. He said, "The first shut up in your face." I walk in and I make sure we don't concede. You start with yeah, the defense yeah, and you stop leaking goals, and then you worry about the other end. He has the talent that means that the other end will come. But his overwhelming priority when he walked in was to stop yeah. us leaking goals, and he's done it. Indeed, Martin. Do you think? Uh, do you think Farta uh, Farta Tuchel uh, got away with it yesterday? Farta Tuchel. Farta, daddy, <laughs> daddy in German. Farta. Mutti. I, I, I don't speak German. Mutti. Mutti and Farta. Sounds like he needed that emodium you were Mutti talking about Mutti and Farta, mate. I tell you, <laughs> go and Google Translate it. I'm right. No, no nine. I won't nine. Do that. nine. 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 <laughs> so, do you think he no. got away with it or what? I don't think he got away with it at all. I think the Good commentary boy. was looking Good for boy. was looking for things to, you know, hype the fact. I mean, Sheffield United were fucking dreadful. <laughs> As, um, first half, they played like a National League side that somehow lucked their way into the Premier League. And it was only when they, well, I know we're going to talk about it, it was only when they stopped like targeted fouling and actually trying to play a bit of football that they had a chance at the game. And we did panic a little bit. I didn't, had they equalised, I would have backed us to a, to get a second Regardless, I, 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 they tightened up a little bit because Liv, um, Leicester, sorry, humiliated them. But I don't think, I don't think Tuchel got away with it. I think the, the players were on a come down from last Wednesday. And it I thought they might. I thought they might. I thought they oh, might it's, be it's, Martin, yeah. it's absolutely natural that they would be, in my yeah, view. They're definitely. not robots. But getting away with it's a bit strong, in my view. And I think a lot of that was, you know, the BBC would nearly in tears when Zayek scored at the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I well, thought they, they were wanted f- like they wanted a shooing, didn't they? They were talking it up like they were going to get eight or nine, ten goals. They didn't get it, um, and they got sulky about it. That's um, brilliant. I totally agree with you, Martin. I, they, it wasn't lucky. I think. Can you? Ima- I don't even think it's necessarily when he talks about the players being tired. I don't think it's just a physical thing. If you look at, like, I think the emotional peak of Wednesday as well. There has to be a come down off. Yeah, that. mentally, definitely. Like, mentally, geeing yeah. yourself up well, to it, go again after yeah. a game that big. I mean, the headlines in Spain were like funeral in London. It was epic. Yeah, uh, it was. And well, Alex, not just that. And I shall address this to JK, who's got a Diego Costa t-shirt on, if I'm not mistaken. Am no, I, absolutely yeah. right. I mean, 
we said this on Friday, or I, I, I was like the, you know, the, the, the tolling the bell of doom, wasn't I? A bit, saying, watch out, you know, this is a cup match. Anything can happen. And you know what? They will be mentally and physically tired after that Madrid game because of the amount... I mean, and I know before before I say this, you're going to say to me, yes, Chidge, but none of them were playing. That's um, exactly what I'm going to say. I knew that. But but I think, I think, you know, remember the fact that one of the good things he's done is he's brought the whole team together. So, I mean, you look at look at uh, Mount and Silva and Jorginho, they kicked every ball, didn't they, from the stands. And, you know, you and I, I know all of us here, we've been to a match that's been really tense and a massive match and we've come out exhausted after watching it. So I felt that that would have had an effect and uh, he kind of alluded to that in his post-match, another very good post-match presser. Well, I think that's a big excuse, isn't it? You'd have thought once You're again, a hard but... man, Jonathan Kidd. You're a hard man. You're all professional footballers, Chidge. You know, they're all this what they do for a living. You're going to tell me that Gilmore would be would be mentally affected by uh, by us winning on Wednesday so that he puts in half a performance. I have to say he didn't. I thought Gilmore had a very good game. I thought he, he was one of the bright stars of it, whereas Emerson played like the Emerson that we sold three years ago he was absolutely <laughs> useless it's just that nobody told him <laughs> exactly <laughs> the one we wanted to go you know so he but he, to be fair he scored a wonderful goal suddenly you think god if only if only all the other forwards could score goals like that but um uh on wednesday but um and and Adoy ran around like an absolute idiot i don't know what he was doing he just kept giving the ball away so uh, uh i i Yes, all right. We are we are making excuses, but I agree completely with um, with Martin there. The uh, they spent the first half attempting to uh, to kick. Um, well, kick- J.K., I wanted to. I want I want to address this to you because you are our resident yeah. referee. Yes, I was yeah. doing my bollocks on on on, well, the, me too, on but Sunday. I, I, I tweeted about it. I just well, you it did. Was- I know. I know. I mean, they were they. It was like it was that out of Dirty Leeds t- playbook. They were kicking them in turns. Well, what what do they do these referees? What do they do? What, do they actually have meetings? Do they ever ever have a meeting where they'll discuss what serial serial individual fouling is? I thought that Oliver had brought us back into the into the twenty second century by uh, actually um, where was he? he? He sent Herrera off after there was that that serial fouling going off a couple of seasons. That's three years ago. Exactly. No one's done it since. No, no one's done it since. Absolutely right. But the. The, the, I thought what was so typical was that poor old Zuma then does one foul and gets threatened and he puts two, puts two fingers up, three fingers and points to all the things around the pitch. And you think, and meanwhile, Pulisic, every single time he's got the ball... And has Mount, been, and Mount. Yeah, and Mount as well, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely appalling refereeing. But there, there's a, but you think, he's one of the younger ones, so nothing is being, nothing is changed. And I, I as, as you know, having refed myself... I don't get how they're just are they conned by this. It's it's you just notice when you're referee, you go that bloke's kicked, he's kicked as well. Well, I'll just I'll 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 book the next one, and you do. But also the advantage law. They don't. There was one occasion where where I think Pulisic got failed again or Mount, and the ball just went was kicked ahead, and 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 it was sort of it went through and went to nobody, and he played on, and you go no. That, it's supposed to be an advantage law. If there's no advantage, then you come back to the foul, you dick. What? <laughs> it's, it's in the laws. You know, it's in the, the laws. That's what's there. So, and as I say, he's one of the younger ones. So it's it, you just think, well, they've learned. 
they've learned nothing. And then you get the, the ludicrousness still of the situation with somebody like Kane, who just leans in and falls over and gets a foul every time. We think, what are and they he, doing? He conned the ref for that penalty this Isn't week. The penalty. Yeah. What, are, what are they doing, the referees? Oh. He's been getting away with manoeuvres that are illegal in rugby for large parts of the season, so it shouldn't come as too much of a surprise that he's conning people for penalties now as well. Funnily um, enough, Martin, I've gone off rugby recently. I can't. I can't think why. I, no, I can't either. Chariot's a bit broken down, is it? Oh, very good. It's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not swinging very very low. That's for sure. Um, uh, there we go. I shall, I shall move on before I come up with a knob gag. Um, right. Um, we've all alluded to it, and we've been alluding to it pretty much every bloody match since the the legend that is Tommy T took over Alex. Uh. I mean, it's all very well and good. And like you said earlier on, actually, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree. And I, I've said it in, in, in the article I wrote the other week and all this kind of stuff. You know, new manager comes in, team low on confidence, absolutely rule number one, you, you build from the back. You, you, you basically make your team hard to beat. You stop losing games. And you do that by stopping conceding goals. And he has been brilliant at that. I also think he's addressed the midfield very, very well. Um but we've still got a monstrous issue up front, haven't we? He doesn't seem to know if he has any strikers, what his best striker is. He's he's ended up with wingers who he can't play as wingers because he wants to play 3-4-2-1. I mean, it does... I mean, you know, it is a bit shambolic up front, it has to be said. I mean, we got an own goal, which got us on our way. Thank God for that. And it was a brilliant goal by, by uh, ZH at the end, it has to be said. But we don't create much, and we and what we do create, we don't put away. I think it will come. You know, this is my new Zen. Like Wayne's actually. World. Yeah, because we're not like going to matches. I appear to be much more Zen this season. I think it will come. I think you, if you'd have said, okay, if I'd have said to you in the midst of our free fall just before Frank went, JK, this new guy is going to turn up and turn Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger into an impenetrable defence, you would have had me committed. No, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't because I would have given Tuchel a chance because he's, you know, he's... Yeah, but then you're sane, really. But you you wouldn't, it would have been an ask, wouldn't it? You'd have been looking at that and thinking, what, really? We've been an absolute nightmare at the back for the last yeah. 18 months. And you, I think yeah, you dealt with that first. The two players that we'd have thought, once again, like Emerson, were going to be uh, on their mm. bikes as soon as possible. Yes. Yeah. Now, if you look at it up front... The talent is there, without a doubt. There's no question the talent is there. You may have questioned that at the back before he came in. And I do think it will come. I think he has got square pegs in round holes. Every manager is going to want to do things differently. And don't forget, this is not a squad that was bought for him. So he's I, he's just making the best of it till the end of this season any way he can, I think. And I'm OK with that. I, I, I think we'll see I, some shuffling in the summer. I think, I think you know... I think the thing he has to address, really, Martin, is is he's got. I mean, and it's going to be really interesting because, of course, he went, he reverted back to a four, didn't he, the other the other night, uh, the other day against Leeds at the back. So it's clearly he's thinking he's got to get the combination right, and I think he has got a problem at the moment because he's got Hudson Odoi, Pulisic, and Ziyech, who are all wingers. They're not. Then they're not really this kind of. I mean, I know Ziyech was sold as that, but he, he's a he's a right winger who likes to cut inside and fire it off on his left. Hudson Roy and Pulisic they like to play on the left, cutting on their right. So you've got three wingers, and then you've got Mount Hazard and Werner who can all play in that kind of little ten pocket. 
because uh, I don't think Werner's a number nine. He's an inside forward. And then you've got um, Havertz, who who can play in the 10 or the nine. And you've got Giroud and you've got Tammy Abraham. So if he's going to play 3-4-2-1, maybe what he has to do is bite the bullet and say, well, I like Hudson-Odoi as my right wing back. He can play there. Pulisic and Zayic can fuck off. And it's going to be one, two of Werner, Mount and Havertz in the two behind the striker or Werner and Mount and Havertz as the striker and or Tammy stroke Giroud. Hang on, let, let, Mar- let Martin answer that one first. I just JK. want to say, though, Chidge, I'm not going to answer it. Just you, you said Hazard instead of Havertz. Did I? That's because I've had a yeah, beer. Yeah, no, but I got so excited for a split you, you knew who I meant, Havertz. Yeah, I know, but I got really excited. I was like, have I missed it? Have no. I missed it? Well, yeah. excited. Yeah. Is he coming back? No, I think he's probably not going to play football again from the Ever reports again. that were coming right. out from Spain, which is tragic, really, if you think about it. Anyway, Martin, answer the question. Well, if you you mentioned Hudson Odoi at right wing back the whole time with a Reese James, so well, they're, they're, well, I don't think I think Hudson Odoi is wasted as a right wing back. Frankly, I think I wouldn't go that far yet. I think so. The guy who took over at Bayern Munich, Hansi Flick, moved Alfonso Davis to left wing back from an advanced position, and Tuchel seems to be trying to do the same thing with Hudson Odoi, who was coveted by Bayern Munich. So. I'm maybe making a few logical jumps is he, there. Is he but fluffing maybe, him up for Bayern then? I have no idea. I, well, I, would, I wouldn't have thought so considering he's never fucking managed them. <laughs> JK? With a Pulisic. What about him? Alas, um, poor Pulisic. I knew him yeah, well. He's not, he's, exactly. He's not in your team. I thought we had the glimpses yesterday of of the talent other than his inability to shoot properly. Well, that, not, not walloping it from point-blank range when he got through. Yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah, tried to do a rather embarrassing dink, didn't he, which was completely the wrong just thing. Just hit it very hard. And if the, if the keeper stops it, he's going in the goal with it. Yeah, yeah, just... yeah. but that little move he did was um, was as good as he did last year. And I thought I thought he did a couple of moves as well. I mean, he was just targeted by the... Well, I, well I have to, sorry, I've got to go back on the ref for a second. What I don't get with these guys is surely they see that the, that the chap, the genius player, the skillful player, is being completely targeted. Therefore, what what is going on in their heads? Are you basically, by allowing, but not giving anybody a card, you are allowing them to stifle... A player's creativity is excellent creativity, and it is well, and possibly injure him. Yeah, and indeed. Look indeed. at Hazard. Well, yeah. he's, we're getting the long-term effects of that now. Yeah, exactly. He was getting the shit kicked out of him for years, and now yeah. he's breaking down. Now it seems, which is quite sad. So, Martin, um, what's your solution up front then? I mean, oh, am fuck. I am I barking is up it, the wrong tree? I normally, I mean, even, is it, is I even it, called it, Havertz Hazard, so I, you can't listen to me. <laughs> I'm just going to say Erling Haaland, even though it's never going to happen. <laughs> No, no, he's, he's Man City. Um, the family ties that, doesn't it? Something has to happen because yeah. nobody, nobody scores anything. Nobody scores. Look at them. None of them score. They get yeah, the odd. The odd they are. Goal. They are certainly been given given the chance between now and summer. I suspect we just have to wait and see what happens then because he's certainly he's rotated it enough times, given people enough chances, and if they're not delivering, then and Tickle gets a summer transfer. War chest cliche, I mean, <laughs> cliche alert. Then um, we see take it from there. I mean, I've I've not seen any any targets mentioned. So, 
Who knows? Maybe they have persist with it for a while. I heard a rumor today that I dare not repeat, so I won't. But uh, oh, stop! No, I can't do that. I can't. Oh, no, oh, what? Well, no, I can't do that. No, because I, I need it to come. Oh, through... hey, I've got. I, I, can't I, I need. I need it to come through official channels, as in oh. Ron's rumors. Oh, but there you go. Quick, put a voice on. I mean, Alex, Alex, look, you know, I, I do feel for Tuchel in a way because he's inherited a squad. That can't that where the defenders can't play in a back four, and the attackers can't can't play in a three four two because you've got so many bloody wingers. I do feel for him, and I do understand going back to what you said actually about defence. You've got to sort that out first because the reality is, and I think this is relevant, isn't it, in the context of cup matches and actually the Champions League too. If you don't concede a goal, we still have good enough players up front, even though they're not in their right positions and they do look like square pegs and roundhouses. We do have players who can come up. You only need one goal to beat a team if you don't let a goal in. And we're getting them at the moment. Exactly. Just about getting over the line. I think I just, I, I don't want to judge any manager that comes in mid-season. Um, I think he ultimately he has got us further in the Champions League than we've been in ages. Uh, we are in a semi-final of the FA Cup. We're fourth in the league. It could be a hell of a lot worse after that spell we had in the middle of the season. I'll take it right now. Um, if this is still the case a year from now, after he's had time to put his stamp on the team, then I'll be bitching like one of the Twitter artists, probably. Martin, do you think, Do you think? I mean, because the other alter... I mean, this is kind of alluding to what I said a minute ago. He, he can't play four at the back because they're suited to playing three at the back. Uh he, you know, and that means he can't play with wingers, you know, traditional wingers, which is what he's got. But do you, I mean, you know, do you think he could change the system to get the best out of the attacking players without starting to leak goals again? Because this has been Chelsea's perennial problem for years now. We are, we can either defend well and attack shit, or attack well and defend shit. Doesn't seem that way because every time we've tried to transition to a back four, we've looked vulnerable. Yeah. Even trying it, even trying it against Leeds and Mondi was the. The main reason we we didn't lose with some of those saves. It's this goes back to when Conte was in charge. Switch to back three, tighten up defence, hit them on the counter. Yeah. It looks like we're reverting back to that principle at the moment. It's working very well in the short term, and we just have to see: is there a way of making the attack work with three at the back? Because he certainly isn't going to muck around the defence while it's working. I mean, the the reality is, mate. I I think I think so, J.K. I mean, but it means that, that Pulisic and Ziyech are sidelined to a degree. I mean, you could argue Pulisic, I think, can do a job in one of the two behind the striker, I think. I'm, and you could argue, I mean, based on his last couple of performances, that Ziyech can. So maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit. But I, I wonder if, in Tuchel's head at the moment, his preferred three up front are Werner, ha- uh, Mount and Havertz. With Havertz as the as the nine, nine. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't really. I mean, speechless. Fucking hell! How can we make any decision on this? You you know, got, when, mate. You look. Nobody goes full on Terry Thomas at this stage of the show. Come on. I, I, I got to do that. I can't make Terry Thomas. My gap. You're a stinker. You're a stinker, kid. You know that. I do. Stinker. You are a complete, absolute stinker. You're disgraceful. Um, um, no, I, I think Zayech figures hugely in his plans, actually, because I think Zayech 
will will just get better and better because I think he's beginning to relax a bit more and we're seeing the cocky side of him. I thought he was really cocky after the game um, again when he scored that goal. And what did he do? He did that uh, that kind of zip thing he did of his mouth as if to say, you know, you critics. And I, 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 it, that was a really terrific goal. And you think, right, if he's going to carry on scoring goals like that, well, then perhaps he he... You know, he he, not, he throws his hat into the ring. Perhaps he's considered. I mean, if if he if they keep scoring, he's going to have to pick those that score. He can't <laughs> say this is my best team and none of them score. So, uh, he's, if anybody who scores surely is going to force their way into the side, and um, uh, I, I just worry what they do in training. You know, Pulisic clearly um, was 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 absolutely terrific and he's a terrific player but you cannot get into the penalty area and just do nothing I mean I was bemused by Chilwell actually having a dip from the edge of the area because I thought oh he's got about two yards what's he gonna do he'll probably just chip it no my god he's had a shot oh what a surprise it hit somebody and went in the net god why don't they do this more often so you just think uh I don't know I'm just bemused as to how on earth you get you just look at how many what is it? Um uh Kante hasn't doesn't score, Kovacic doesn't score, Mount is the is the main goal scorer and he's a bit all over the place. Werner doesn't score, Zayek is beginning to score, possibly. Um, two in two, mate. Uh, uh, yeah, Adoy doesn't score. Um uh, Giroud. Giroud was like it was like watching um well, uh, how, how was he somebody expressed it? It was like watching a a, a mahogany a mahogany um uh, hat stand playing. It was just absolutely <laughs> fucking bizarre with Giroud. What you know? What what was he doing? Uh, you know, he's, 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 Olive, he's Olivier Giraffe would probably be better. Yeah, he's a great goal scorer. He just did absolutely. Well, fuck it's a really off. it's a funny old thing about Giroud because you know Giroud has a rep as not being a great goal scorer, a scorer of great goals, but not a great goal scorer. And yet, uh, you remember Dave Seeger, the lovely uh, Arsenal chap who used to do the Love Sports show with me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who's yeah. A, who's a, he's a he's a, he's a, he's a real banter merchant, but he's actually a very bright guy, and he know and he knows Arsenal inside out. And he said, "Yeah, but Giroud used to put a lot of goals away for us. It's just that he has this reputation. He's he's the the second all time goal scorer for France, for fuck's sake. So he can clearly score goals regularly. You know, indeed, indeed. But it's all very well. But you know, he may have a reputation, and he's a great goal scorer. But yesterday he was." He he lived up to his reputation yeah. as being somebody who just was absolutely. He's not never involved. been. He's never been. You know, I mean, here's the thing: he's never been consistently got scoring goals for Chelsea. But then, who the fuck who has? has? Who has? Yeah. You know, Diego Costa's the last great goal scorer we had. Yeah. You know, so hey ho. Um, right, we've got. We're going to talk much more about uh, Pulisic and Chilwell and Gilmore after this break, as well as asking about what our prospects are uh, to win trophies and particularly against Man City. Uh, but before that, as ever, it's a quick plug for ye oldie CFC UK, the best uh, fanzine, Chelsea fanzine out there, in my humble opinion. So many of our motley crew on the fan cast write for it, including me, of course. Now, as you know, Normally you can get it at the stall on a match day opposite Fulham Broadway, but obviously not at the moment. But you can still get it. You can still get a, a hard copy by uh, emailing cfcuk at gate17.co.uk and you can start to subscribe by doing that. It'll cost you two quid a copy, which includes 
uh, first-class postal delivery. Or you can get it online at cfcuk.net and you can get it uh, digitally on the Match Day digital app. And I can tell you there is one coming out soon because I had the uh, notification on my WhatsApp in the CFC UK WhatsApp group today that there is an article due to be written by me by Friday at midnight. So, DJ, if you're listening, expect it to arrive at five minutes past midnight on Friday, which is the time I normally deliver it. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stamford Chidge. Hit him down there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. Uh, Mr. Martin Wickham. Good evening. And last, but certainly by no means least, the absolutely lovely Alex Churchill. I think by doing Martin before me, you've established a, a precedent for the patriarchy, and I'm highly offended. Oh, do you know what I heard? A, <laughs> I heard I heard a great quote. Just to, just to, just to kind of like try and dig myself out of the of the enormous crater I've bombed myself <laughs> into. But uh, I was listening to Radio Four this morning, and I, I happened to be listening to Women's Hour. And clearly some very famous Egyptian feminist has died. I, I couldn't remember her name. But they gave a quote of hers. They had a bit of her speaking. She came out with something brilliant about how patriarchal society is. And she was basically, I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but basically the point was she was saying, yeah, you know, but women, you know, when we get married, uh, we have to take the husband's name. When our children are born, they have to take his name. You know, and I think actually it really resonated with me. And I thought, bloody hell, that's actually a good point. We are still a very patriarchal society. Um, that said, the woman moaning about people holding doors open for her on Twitter the other day can just fuck off. Well, I now know why my sister, she did what a lot of modern women do, which is I'm not having your bloody name, I'm having mine. And if you want me to have your name, it can be tagged on the end and I'll be double barreled. Yeah, I think uh, the person yeah. that squeezes the child out of their vagina gets to decide what name it has. Well, well, there you go. And she's kind of done that, you know, bless her heart. Um, I think, it, yeah, it's, it really made me think, actually. And uh, have I dug myself out of the hole yet? Oh, there was no hole. I just wanted to play with you. Okay, you're just playing with me. I was never squeezed out of a vagina. I was pulled. Yeah, so- I was forcepsed out as well, mate. Yes, you and me both. I've got I've got indentations on yes. my skull to me this day. Too. Me too. I've got them. I can point them yeah. out. Because you and I were born a long time ago, so they had very rudimentary gynecological instruments in those days. Absolutely. Yeah, it was just a, a couple of stone paddles. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Basically, I had a lot of iron and and straps, and it was like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. a bit like that. Oh, you fucking catapulted out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've got a very flat forehead, mine, because I hit the wall. Velocity. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, enough of this weird chat on the Chelsea fancast. Um, now, Jonathan has talked about Pulisic at least eight times, so forgive him. Sorry. Forgive Sorry. No, 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 don't. I never, look, Jonathan, we come on here, we talk about what we want to talk about when we want to talk about it. I, it's my job to bring it all back into some sense. Don't you ever worry about that. Um, we've now lost Alex, so I'm going to ask this to Bertie. Bertie, what what do you think of Pulisic, mate? Look, you, you you you're bored, mate, aren't you, or tired? Is my lovely, beautiful, resonant voice putting you to sleep, Bertie? Uh, I think it was more that the eyes half opened when you started talking on a bit about being dragged from your mum's vagina. That was when he <laughs> woke up, one eye opened, as if to say, 
what the fuck is this? Uh, Pulisic, what were you asking about Pulisic? Well, Bertie's opinion is that Pulisic's facial hair is is insignificant. Well, Aniaban on the Discord group uh, wanted to ask a question on the show, which I've not included, actually, because I, okay. I think he was joking. But he wants to know if, uh, you know, basically... Show, a bit like another history question, really. Samson and Delilah, you know, I mean, Samson had his hair cut and he lost all of his powers. So has the same with Pulisic uh, in reverse, with Pulisic shaving off his beard, has it made him more aerodynamic and therefore better? I think, listen, I think he looked a lot better yesterday. I thought that was his best performance for a while, bar the failure to actually, you know, I mean, he got the shots he on was, target. I was annoyed with himself, wasn't yeah. he, about not scoring a goal. Uh, the only thing I have to say about Pulisic on that game, though, was that Brian and I established that had we both been slut bags in high school, we could be his parents. Not us together, but either one of us. Why is that? Like, because that's we're just crossing that age threshold now. Oh, I right. Think Britain probably is as well, where you go from sort of, first of all, looking up to the players, then they're all your age. And now it's like, oh, if I'd been a total hoebag at school, then I could be Mason Mount's mum just about. That means a hoebag? Well, I would have needed to have been about 13. But that means that I could be I could be some of these players' great-grandfather. Well, me, well you, I don't know about great, but I mean, certainly you and I could certainly I be their grandfather, mate. That's frightening, isn't it? But why are we talking about this? I don't know, because we, we're obviously talking about... Procreation <laughs> uh, has been a theme on the Chelsea fancast tonight. I'm going to go to Martin, because I know I'll get some non-procreational sense from him. Now he'll let me down. You just watch. <laughs> oh, please say something highly inappropriate. Martin, listen, I, you know, JK alluded to it earlier on, and I absolutely agree with him. But I, I actually do think Pulisic, uh, number one, had a much better game yesterday. I mean, that that move he made to skin three Sheffield United defenders, even if one of them might have been Jagielka, it still counts, um, was just... Jagielka's old enough to be his dad. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> if he'd been enough. an early starter as well. There you go. You got it in, mate. Well done. Hats off to you. But, I mean, brilliant bit of skill. Um, and he did get those shots on target. I mean, you know, that's the minimum requirement is you get it on target. I mean, he did hit it straight to keeper, but it was a decent save. He looked, he looked, he's getting there. And I think maybe we just need a bit of time with Pulisic, but he looked like he's getting there. I just wondered how much better he might have been had he had some protection from the referee. Well, I think it would have helped. And, I, you know, I don't want to go on too much about the, the referee because it was appalling. But, you know, if we are going to get skilled players kicked out of games, then, you know, don't be surprised if they leave eventually. I'm not sure about Pulisic back to his best just yet. It's like, it's been very stop start. His best run of form was obviously after the, the restart in June. Um, and he was able to string some games together. Then he gets injured in the cup final when he's been struggling for fitness and form ever since. It was encouraging to see, but, um, I'll temper it by saying the quality of opposition was not great, and I would I would have liked to have seen him score that goal though. Um, mm. I don't. I think he should have just absolutely rocketed that shot. Do, do you think he's trying too hard, J.K.? I don't know. That's always a a possibility. A bit but, like uh, Werner has been in a way. Yeah. You know, I I I I slightly despair at the fact that we're having to um, wait for him to recreate his best form when. In a sense, this it, it, trying to become a, you know, to maintain this level, this elite level, or even get back into it again, everybody needs to come on and perform from the very beginning. 
you can't have players coming on and we say, well, it's going to take them a bit of time to come back from injury. No, no, they've somehow got to start playing at a better level. And this is my worry about him because every single time he gets injured and comes back, it takes him an age to actually start getting back to how he was. And I know we should be sympathetic towards him, but it, it, we, it's, it's a football team that requires a, an, an instant return. And uh, this, is, this is why I'm, I'm still bemused by performances from players who, you know, we've paid 220 million for, who should actually be, be putting it together. And I'm sure Tuchel has the same, the same um, misgivings about them. It's, 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 it's mystifying. It really is. I, yeah. Well, mate, I think you have a really good point. I have to be honest, and I, I, I mean, you know, the article I wrote for Football London, uh, which went out on on Saturday before the match, was very much about what a delight it was to see, you know, the shithousery, the nuggetiness, the not taking a step back, the leadership, the steel in the side against Letico Madrid, and it reminded me of what we were were so great at um, when Mourinho well, was there, and of course beyond that, because he moulded those players into such a competitive force. And they never took a step back, and uh, and it was a joy to see, you know, and it, and and nobody wanted to play them, and that and that that's what Tuchel said when he came in, and I wasn't quite sure what he meant by that, but I hope and think it might be the same thing. But in those days, we had loads of players coming in, but if they weren't good enough, they had a couple of chances to 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 prove how good they were. If they weren't up to it, they were out. Sean Wright Phillips is a is a good example of that, you know, bought in, paid a lot of money for him. You know, he did a little bit, but he didn't do enough. And then you were gone. And I mean, and actually, if you're thinking about Pulisic's performance on Saturday, and I, and I, I mean, perhaps it's because so fresh in our mind is how bloody good he was last season. And let's be honest, he was, bar Mount, our best player last season. He was certainly our most exciting player last season. So maybe that's what it is. We're thinking, please, please, please be that player again. But the way we're talking is it's like, you know, some academy players come in. It's like, oh, he had a good touch here. Oh, he had a good touch there. That's what we're like with youth players that are coming in. But you're right. This is a kid that costs what? How much? 70 million? Maybe not that much, but... 60, nonetheless, run about that. A lot yeah. of money, and you're right. You know, you pay that kind of money for a, for what's supposed to be a world-class player. They've got, to, they've got to do it every week. And maybe that's that's where we are. Maybe that's how we should be looking at it. I mean, my instinct is not to do that because I'm quite a lovely, forgiving soul and I like to see people do well. But Is you know, there a fear as well that this that type of thinking is why we slung Salah and De Bruyne out prematurely. Well, yeah, I mean, there and we go. You don't want to yeah. repeat that mistake again, even though both players were very poor in a Chelsea show. Well, there, there seems to be, from everything that we hear from people who are close to the club, you know, the Matt Laws of this world, Simon Johnson, people who, who do actually talk to people at the club quite a lot, there seems to be a shift caused by that, that they're really loathed. I mean, Christensen set up as the example, we don't want him to be another De Bruyne. In other words, they don't want to let a, a young guy go too soon, only for him to turn into an absolute world beater. Um, you know, and I and I wonder if that shift will mean that they will persist with players like uh, Werner, with players like Pulisic, Havertz, obviously. You know, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I don't care as long as they end up being bloody good. That's all. I'm actually talking of talking of young players that you know perhaps need a bit of patience. One is Chilwell. 
And I actually thought, uh, Alex, that Chilwell did pretty well on on uh, on Saturday against Sheffield United because I was I was I was a bit down on him after the Leeds display because I felt that he made a lot of poor choices and he and he falls over a lot and I felt, come on, mate, you're a defender, you need to toughen up a bit. But two assists, you know, the own goal came from his cross and uh, he put in a great pass for uh, for Ziyech for the for the second goal, and I thought he did okay. Uh, but the, the the real thing is. You know, is he still behind Alonso in the pecking order? I have a suspicion he is. Um, possibly at the moment, but I think he's doing all right. I think he's he out of all the players, um, his world has been rocked by Lampard out and Tuchel in, um, because for whatever reason it has put him down the pecking order because he'd rather have Alonso as a wing back or whatever. Um, I think he's doing all right. He's doing enough when he comes in uh, yes he does fall over a lot that is annoying but like you say two assists could he have done much more on Sunday I don't think so anyone who's like well you could have scored a goal piss off he's a defender or just like, I think people lose sight of this sometimes defended well actually I thought defended well we yeah. kept a clean sheet he got two assists at the other end which that's just a bonus in my eyes when defenders do that so I think I don't think he could have done much more mm, good fair enough uh, JK J, uh, chill well for you Still behind Alonso? Yeah, well, he'll always get get in if he wants uh, uh, the defence to be better. Because as we know, Alonso is like a, um, uh, a, 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 a 16th century galleon, becalmed occasionally when he's uh, when he's running down the wing. But in the in the penalty era, Alonso is fabulous, as as we know, and 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 that's where the love for him will always be there for me. For what he is, he is um, perceptive, uh, clever. Um, beats players, um, chips the great accuracy with um, with free kicks and centres, and is streets ahead of Chilwell in that area. Except and a giant dump on Spurs as well. Yeah, yeah, but he that always helps. Yeah, it always helps. But he, he he isn't anywhere near as good a defender as Chilwell. So you know, I, th- I think it's horses for courses. I think they'll both flit in and out of the side. I just think I think they both have to accept that. Um, so. Uh, and also, he just seems to pick him if he wants somebody a bit bigger. So it'll be if it's a bigger side, he'll pick Alonso. It seems to be as basic as that. Because Alonso doesn't have the problem if the defenders are there doing, the, doing that role for him. He's not then stuck, you know, the last play and he has to run back. But Chilwell is a much better defender. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, so, and, a, and a decent player. He just, he's, he's yet to be um, as outstanding, bizarrely, as he was when he first played for Frank. But... Um, uh, no, I think we've got you know a couple of very decent players there. It's just a question of uh, he'll rotate them, mm. which it, and as you the, said, horses for courses because he likes to pick Alonso when we need a bit of height at the back, which I think is is shrewd. Um, talking of height uh, or lack of it in this case, Martin, uh, not you, uh, Billy Gilmore. <laughs> Don't belittle us for fuck's sake. <laughs> I would never ever knowingly belittle you, Martin. You know that. <laughs> yeah, don't sell us short. Um, very good. I mean, yeah. it was good to see him get a game. I mean, I thought he did okay without his probably impressing as much as he did last season when he, he was utterly superb for a couple of matches last season, wasn't he? Yeah, because last season was a game against, you know, Liverpool in their pomp and he pretty much silenced them. I think he did, I thought he did okay um, yesterday. I thought he was perfectly fine as one particularly brilliant challenge he put in where he's just absolutely clattered someone fairly and one possession I love that that was wonderful I I did wince though because I thought for fuck's sake be careful of your knee (laughs) yeah that that still seems to be getting they still seem to be managing that don't they Mm. 
Has he? This might just be my eyes playing tricks with me. Has he had a bit of a growth spurt as well? Has he got a little bit taller? I think nah. he might have done. Maybe an inch. He's, he's gone shorter, if you ask me. No, you're, you're just further back from the telly. John. You're like that commentator. You're like that commentator, mate. And, well, you know, I can see that it was a throw-in from 80 yeah. yards away. But you oh, couldn't, yeah, you couldn't see pillock. what happened yeah. in front of you, which was 10 yeah. yards away. Wilson, God save us. He oh, was so God, that's Absolutely so appalling. A couple of idiots, those two, aren't they? Can I just say, can I, just say I thought Gilmaida, what, what, what I loved about the... What, what, what's wonderful, which they lost a bit in the second half, they do pass the ball really, really yeah. brilliantly slickly. They do as a team. They really do. All first first time pass. There are moments where you just you you exult over the excellence of the passing. And uh and that's something that they had under Frank and then they lost it. And he seems to have recreated Tuchel, just this ability to pass your way out of any situation or or just even not any situation. He's just they create they're creating very good angles with absolutely beautiful slip yeah. passing. It's really is, it's it's it, gone it, under the radar a bit yeah. that. I mean we yeah. to be fair to us, we have mentioned this a, a few weeks ago, but I think it's it's a real joy to behold. I mean, you know, Sarri tried it, but it was always too flaming slow. Um Frank tried it but we would lose the ball too much. You know, it's it's where we've been trying to go, and I don't know what Tuchel's done to make it work, but it, it it's just brilliant because if you can get up the pitch from back to front, just passing. I mean, people think that I'm a bit of a luddite, and I just like seeing hairy ass footballers clatter each other, which is true. But I, I'm not I'm not averse to the beautiful game, you know, and to see to see. I mean, they they've done it a few matches actually recently where they've just gone from back to front with about six passes, and it's just been absolutely brilliant. Um. Alex, uh, Billy, I mean, you wouldn't have been there. Martin was. Um, we had Pat Nevin uh, do a fantastic Q&A. Three hours he was on for the Supporters Trust on Saturday. Um, and uh, he he said something really interesting about Tammy Abraham, and I think perhaps the same will apply to Billy Gilmore. But he was saying he thinks that Tammy's a really good striker, uh, he's, you know, he's got it. He's he, he he's got it enough in his locker to be another Drogba. But what he hasn't got, he's too he's too willowy, is what he was saying. And you know, he needs to fill out. And he said the trouble is, of course, you just don't know when these young lads eventually fill out. And it it is a physiological issue as a man. I mean, I was, believe it or not, a willowy, wispy, slight creature for most of my twenties, and then suddenly, late twenties, I became a bloater. I mean, how did that happen? And it was literally overnight. So we all take time, and it's on our own time. Um, and I wonder if Billy Gilmore's like that. I mean, J.K. was saying he, he looks, or somebody was saying, maybe maybe Martin, that he that he looks as though he's filling out a bit. Um, in his position, it's kind of important, isn't it? Because you do need to have a bit of presence to be that kind of a midfield player. He is, but I mean, I've met him, and I think that's just his build. I mean, he's tiny. Is he's- he? Yeah, I mean, like, he's still taller than me. You met him? Come on, you can't just say, oh, I met him, you know, throw away comment. It was the, 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 he was one of the other players that came out before Rudiger did when we did that ah, thing. Right. You know what, for a kid, he was absolutely wonderful with that little boy we took. Um, came out, chatted to him, had a pitch done. He's a really sweet kid, Billy Gilmore. Um, but he's little. I mean, I, he's ne- he's always, he's not he's not going to ever look like a hazard. He's never going to be meaty. He's He's got a, a build like Ashley Cole, and that's who he is. I don't think there's much to come in terms of filling out um, in terms of him getting a bit stronger on the ball. Um, 
yeah, I think that will come. I mean, he's only 19. He, hopefully he's still got some growing to do, but I, I do think he just appears to be like built like Ashley Cole. I don't think he's never going to be, he's never going to be solid like Hazard, I don't think. Mm. Ashley Cole, incredibly slim, isn't he? But, but you know, yeah. it's strong with it. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, you know, I I think it's a lot of old guff about this. Oh, you've all got to be like six foot six to play professional football. Well, if you football. can't catch him, who cares what size? No, he is? you know, and I mean, what I love about Billy Gilmore is his mentality. I mean, he mm. is hard. That kid is nails. He's not scared of anything. And no, and he's pretty mature as well. He's he doesn't he comes across as being very head screwed on. Mm, good stuff. All right, let's let's kind of wrap this part up by talking a little bit about where we're going next in the old Football Association Cup. Uh, because we've got City. I mean, in a sense, we've got the worst draw we possibly could have got. I mean, Southampton would have been lovely. Or is that really the case, JK? Because I had a momentary thought where I thought, we play much better, I think, still. And this is just such a... This has kind of always been the way with Chelsea, hasn't it? We play much better against better teams. And we get a team that we, in our heads, think we can roll over easily. Quite often, we get turned over. So, actually, I'm really pleased that uh, we, we've we got... that we that I'm not, you know, over the moon that we got City, but I'm not, I'm not deflated. Even though Carlo, after they got rid of Everton quite easily, called them the best team in the world right now. Um, yes, I think I agree with you because memories of the 1-1 against Southampton and even the 0-0 against Leeds and even Sheffield the other day um, uh, slightly gives me, uh, um, uh, as Tortoise in Pipkins used to say, the spooky dillos. But um, um, uh, at, at the moment, uh, I'm not... Um, yeah, I think we'll do very well against City. Um, and I don't... Um, and I think we'd probably find a way of of not doing as well against Southampton. I think you're absolutely right. I wanted to disagree with you, but I've changed my mind. Okay. And I'm agreeing with you completely. Yes, I think I think City is, isn't a team that we need to be afraid of because otherwise we'd, we'd have to meet them in the final anyway. So uh, uh, Alex has got a hand up. I uh, I bow down and give way. I was just going to say exactly what you've just said. If we want the trophy, we're going to have to beat City eventually anyway, you yeah. would think. Absolutely. Always the way, isn't it, Martin? And sooner play them in the semi-final than the final because the final it's you, you can prepare they'll prepare directly for it and they won't leave you know any like cut any corners whereas if you play them in the semi-final it's either side of their Champions League game against Borussia Dortmund you know Dortmund give them a game they might be a little bit vulnerable might True. have fatigue issues tiredness and you know we're, we're good enough defensively to stifle them Carlo said, yeah, they're the best team in the world. They are if you give them shit loads of space and let them do what the fuck they want. Then they're the best team in the world. He also you... said we were a very quality side. You remember we beat them the other day, if you remember. A- again, because again. <laughs> because they stood back and let us do what the fuck we wanted. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, if you give people space, they, they will do that. You have to, you know, you have to go at them a little bit. That's where we fell down in the new year, unfortunately. We, see, we gave them far too much respect and we got absolutely pummeled as a result. Hmm. I, I mean, it's an, it's going to be an intriguing match because obviously there's quite a way to go. I think it's on the 17th of April, so there's about three weeks to go. Uh, and we will have had pubs our... pubs might be open by the then. The pubs might be open by then. There's a thought. 12th, it's supposed to be, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the glorious yeah, as 12th. As, as long as there's a... Steady on. As long as there's a, as long as there's a outside TV, I'll take it. Mm. Well, I mean, we will also have had our... We'll either be in the middle of our Champions League tussle. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll be playing Porto at the same time that they're 
playing um, Dortmund. Playing, Bor- playing Borussia. So we, but, might, um, we, but we both might suffer from that, obviously. But um, I do feel it's intriguing, isn't it? Because we are so fantastic defensively at the moment. As I said, a lot can change in three weeks. But let's presume we're still really, really tight. Um, you know, and they, they like to try and play through you. So... It's intriguing. If we can shut them out, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on, JK. If we can shut them out, we just have to score one goal, and we can do that. And actually, I don't think they're that good at the back still. There's the other aspect that they're, they're in all four competitions still, aren't they? So they may get, they may be a bit knackered in three weeks. I don't mm. think so. it seems to make them. He rotates well. Um, no, I, th- I think it'll be a really interesting pairing. Um, and you just hope by then, I don't know how many matches we'll have played in the next three weeks, that... Uh, that possibly one of the forwards starts to fire, um, but it's a, it's going to be an interesting. You know, it might just be a nil 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 penalties. It might be a penalties thing. It might be uh, it might be a very low scoring. But yeah, if they don't can't score against us, hey, you know, get the get the ball once into the net and we've uh, we've beaten them. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't um, I think our chances are good actually. Mm. I wonder, Alex, is this a preview, or will this be a preview of the Champions League final? Um, I don't know. I'm just so thrilled that we didn't get Bayern. That was the one I didn't want to go anywhere. Yeah, too right. I still, I mean, still absolutely necessary. I, do you know what? I, I think when it gets to this stage of the Champions League, it's about luck as much as anything well, else. Go, um, I, go, I refer the honourable lady to my previous statement about lucky Tuchel. Yeah, no reason we can't do really, really well in what's left of the Champions League. We could obviously as well go full Chelsea and shit our pants and be awful <laughs> and get knocked out by Porto because it's Chelsea. But there's yeah. no reason we can't really do well. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing is... But me, uh, then and positive. Tuchel avoided the two narrative games against PSG and Dortmund in the draw. So yeah. you know, that, that's got to be good. But, you know, you can't, can't sell Porto short because... You know, they they did a job against Juventus, although that game was absolutely fucking bonkers from what I saw at the end of it. So um quieting them down a bit. Mm. I don't think Juventus are a bit on on the downslide at the moment. So um hopefully if we can do with a with a, with this. a, with a young manager. With you well, yeah, with yeah. a with a young manager in his first season who used yeah. to was a really good player for yeah, them. Definitely. Um but um, ironically, of all the criticism of Lampard and Mount, the Porto manager actually plays his son. <laughs> Does he really? I, Sergio Consasau. I can't remember the kid's name, but he's in the squad. Probably Consasau. The surname's guess. definitely Consasau, yeah. all right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I... to remember quickly, Chich, because I think to remember, of course, is the further we get in the Champions League, the more money in the coffers. Yeah. The more possibility of uh, of buying somebody in the summer. Well, I think I cheekily said to um, I can't remember who I cheekily said. Oh, I know it was, it was to Pat Nevin, wasn't it, Martin? Pat, we were talking about um, Harland and the possibility of signing Harland, and Pat was saying, nah. "Yeah, just like nah, nah not happening, nah. not happening." And I said, "I said, yeah, we'll see, Pat. He'll change his mind when we win the Champions League. You know, we could yeah. do a hazard." Because I, th- I thought his tie was to Leeds, but of course, when he was growing up, no, he City. Had played he's, for Man yeah, City. City. So there fan. we go. But um, I think, you know, the other thing that occurred to me, I, I did a lovely little podcast with a very young lad called Shane Holcomb uh, from Pennsylvania yesterday. Um, and I talked to him about an idea I've had, I, possibly because I listen religiously to Trans Euro Express on a Sunday night with uh, Danny Kelly and uh, a whole 
plethora of really good uh, journalists who know that's Andy Andy Brassel and Andy Brassel. There's uh, Kevin Hatchard, Lars something 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 Sivertson. Sivertson, thank you, Martin. Really good, you know Tim uh, Tim the from Brazil. Oh, what's his name? Tim Vickery. Tim Vickery. God, you're good. Um, I've, I've got the I've been fucking locked down for a year for fuck's sake. Yeah, no, you, yeah, but anyway, it's a really, really good show, and I, I listened to it religiously on a Sunday. And so I've been picking up a lot of what they've been saying about a lot of the big European leagues, and I have a theory here that mo- I mean, you look at look at La Liga, Barcelona, Real Madrid, not at the races this season, really. Atletico should probably win that. Bayern have not been the the tour de force they normally are. PSG uh, losing games. I mean, everywhere you look in Europe, it's a bit billy bonkers. Over here, you could say much the same. Although City are, are beginning to come, you know, rise to the top as you would expect them to. But it seems to me that lockdown, COVID, fatigue is playing a big factor in all of the European leagues, including this one. Unless you've got a humongously huge, qualitatively brilliant squad. Man City, huge quality squad. Every If you go and ask opposition managers, opposition pundits, and by basically anybody but Chelsea fans, if, you've got, if we've got a really large quality squad, it would be a universal yes. It's only us that sit here picking holes in it and all the half the players. Everybody else thinks that we've got one of the best squads in the league. Would so, you say though, Well, I, just let me finish the point and then, then come back because otherwise I'll forget it because I'm getting old. But my point is, is that the way that... This goes back to what you were saying actually earlier on, funny enough, Alex, but the way that Tuchel's managing that squad, he's making sure nobody gets frozen out, everybody's still quite fresh, everybody's still hungry. That might stand us in really good stead against some of these European teams, let alone the English ones. Anyway, I give way to the Honourable Lady. But I was just going to say, to what extent, sounds like an essay question, this cumulative... <laughs> Toxophobe squad, Grady. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to what extent was that squad assembled before COVID hit? Wickham, your brain, man. I just wonder <laughs> if they had a ch- that they had those players and they bought them in before COVID and they got settled in Manchester before they got, were told you can't ever leave your house or have your family come to stay or anything. Ours have all come in since it started. Yeah, well, the main guy that came in was Ruben Diaz from Man City, wasn't it? I can't yeah. remember if that was... I but think that... that was after COVID, but I know what you mean about the other players being there and in place and our guys coming in after and not being settled. Yeah. But, yeah, they do have a point about the size of the squad. It's just been how it's managed. And, you know, in a few weeks' time, some of these players that have struggled a little bit could find form. And we are in, we are in a hell of a position if that happens. Which is the JK theory. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a subscriber to that. I still have hope that it'll click. I just, I'm, I mean, you know, just to kind of wrap this part up, I, I have to say, I'm, I mean, John, I mean, I don't know, I mean, you were there on Friday, Jonathan, for our previous show. Have you seen me that enthusiastic and excited about Chelsea for ages? No, no, they were, well, probably um, uh, 10 years ago when, when uh, I wasn't on the show, you were... <laughs> he's a drunk he was drunk there's a big difference <laughs> these two things are not related at all by the way you know there's no bell curve of when jk turned up no, goodness no. gracious me what no, a no, scurrilous no, thing to say you were unbelievably um positive and ex- well, we were wonderful in yeah, the week. because i think tuchel's the bloody real he's the daddy he's the farter they, they played absolutely brilliantly so you know what 
why, why, why shouldn't you be enthusiastic and think they're going to win the Champions League? You were saying, yes, we're going to win it. We're going to win it. You said, I'm feeling as eager as a little boy. You said that, didn't you? That, you know, who's, who's about to watch his team win the Champions League. You said that. So, I did. Uh, and I was with you. I was with you on that. We both went, who, 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 who about it. Right, do you not believe me about Vater is German for father. Ready? I'm sure Vater. it is. Shh. Vater. See? There you go. Vater. That is father in German. I'm unlucky. <laughs> Herr Tuchel is der Vater when it comes to Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm really positive about him. I, I think, you know, I think, you know, Alex called him a daddy. He's absolutely a grown up. What he's done with the defence is superb. He's getting the best out of what is a shambolic squad. I'm afraid if we, if we think about it, you know, you know, you've got players who can't play in about four, but can play in about three. You've got wingers that aren't playing because you know all of this kind of stuff that we talked about. He's he's working it out. So therefore, I have I have faith that he will somehow find a way to find his best combination up front. And there's still what nine games to go in the league. We've got semi-final and the, hopefully the cup final, and uh, you know another three rounds of uh, the Champions League. I, I think I smell a I smell a trophy here. I smell a Tuchel debut trophy. I really do, um, and I actually even think we're capable of winning the Champions League because you know the whole shit house aspect of it. At the end of the day, it's a cup competition. You can shit house your way to winning the Champions League. We've seen it done so many times. We've done it for God's sake. So, and I love the fact that the shit house is back as well. Now, uh, something that is definitely not shit house, as Martin can definitely attest to, is uh, the Chelsea supporters' trust. Uh, as I said earlier on, Martin, it was brilliant with Pat, wasn't it? Yeah, he was very generous of his time. Um, yeah, I think he enjoyed it as much as everyone else because. He really got into it and was just like, I think he's like, your, your limit was, say, two hours. No, no, I'll keep going, I'll keep yeah. going. No, we, so, we, yeah. we asked him to do two hours and, and I, I was getting, we were, we, we don't know, as we were messing each, each other behind the scenes going, we should tell him it's time to finish, you know. <laughs> so, of course, I had to do that. But he was he was up for doing three hours. I think he'd have done more, you know. I really do. What an amazing bloke. So there we go. That's that's what happens when you, you know, sign up and join the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Five quid to be a member, of course, which means you can vote and attend the meetings like the one we had on Saturday with Pat Nevin doing a wonderful Q&A. Uh, so that's a good enough reason to join. He for, may oh, have a book coming out, I believe. He has got a gist, book. Like, that was the gist I got from Yeah, it. but he didn't want to plug it. <laughs> Nah, he, yeah, he would have, I mean, that was my fault. I felt I felt duty bound to ask him about his book, and he didn't want to talk about it. He was much. In fact, he 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 shut me up asking him questions or asking questions from the people that were there, and started asking questions of them. He started asking him about their backgrounds on Zoom. Yeah, I mean, he was thought, brilliant. Yeah. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, but anyway, obviously, the supporters' trust has a more serious element to it, which is to, I mean, we have regular meetings with the the board of directors at the club, so people like Bruce Buck, for example, uh, and we solidly push forward your uh, fears, your points of view, your grumbles, whatever it might happen to be. So it's a really important thing. And the more of us there are, the more loudly that voice can be heard. So go to ChelseaSupportersTrust.com to sign up and uh, go to uh, at Chelsea S Trust on Twitter. Uh, and the other thing that's an essential, if you're, if you're a real proper dyed-in-the-wool Chelsea supporter, it doesn't matter from wherever you are, however old you are or whatever, uh, you need to get yourself a Chelsea pitch owner's share. Why, I hear you say. Well, if you do, it means you will own a slice of uh, Chelsea, or the pitch to be precise. And what that means is that when there are like thousands and thousands and thousands of shareholders, which there are, 
Uh, that means that uh, it's really, really hard. If Roman ever sold the club, for example, it would be really hard to sell it to a rapacious property developer who would build luxury flats on it. So, uh, you know, kind of basically it protects the idea of football being played at Stamford Bridge forever, which is what we all want. Uh, it's easy to get a share. Just go to the Chelsea website and search for Chelsea pitch owners. They're really cheap. I mean, 31 quid will get you an electronic share uh, and you can pay anywhere up to 210 for uh, framed shares, signed by players, uh, shares, and even being presented on the pitch when whenever we get back there. So there you go. I commend it to you. We will be back for part three where we've got Discord questions, fannies, and emails. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, part three of a three part a trilogy. Tonight's show is officially a trilogy because there are only three parts. Uh, but they're all very good. So I hope you've listened this far and carry on listening. Now, this part's a bit of a mixed match, really. We've got a lot of kind of no match to preview. So obviously it gives us a bit of a license to do some other things. Uh, now, as many of you will know, if you join up to Patreon, which is very easy to do, and I'll tell you how to do that later, uh, you immediately um, become a member of our of our discordant Discord group, which is a bit like WhatsApp, but much more fun. And it's a bit like Twitter, but much less toxic apart from me. I'm the only element of toxicity in the Discord group. Isn't that right, JK? Oh, God. Well, if you want toxicity, it's Jidge. It's Jidge, absolutely. But basically, everybody else is lovely in there. Even Mr. Stick, who I do believe is uh, in Mixler tonight. But there you go. Anyway, I asked the I asked the guys on Discord. I've got a little channel up there saying questions for the show. And when we have time, I, I, I ask them. Uh, and we have one from... And of course, I don't know. They all make up bloody names. So I don't know who they really are, which is so annoying. I need to have a, a spreadsheet with their bloody Discord name and their real name so I know who they are. But anyway, forgive me. I mean, there's a couple on here I do know. But uh, R.I. Blue. Chidge, how do you... How, oh, this is a brilliant question. I forgot about this. It's a shame he's not on the show tonight. Anyway, Chidge, how did you get to know Tony? I've been listening to the fancast for three years now, and I'm not sure how you two became pals. Curious about the origin story. Do you know what? I I honestly can't for the life of me remember, but I think it probably goes along something like this: that I, I, I obviously listened to the Podding Shed because they were great. But I used, I think I used to read their blog. I used to love reading Tony's blogs uh, before um, before I met him. And then I, I I think I literally just bumped into him or I was at the CFC UK stall or whatever. And it quite, I mean, everybody here will, will validate this, that you can go to the stall, be talking away and then somebody go, oh, you so-and-so? Yeah, you so-and-so. And then suddenly this person that you've known about or read their stuff or been a Twitter follower, whatever. And, and that's kind of maybe how it all started. And we had a beer and the rest, as they say, is history. But I mean, Tony, I mean, he's a great, great podcaster in his own right. But, and a fan, I mean, I mean, I'd, I didn't think I could love Tony any more than I already did. And then uh, we, as a lot of you will know, Alex particularly, we, we went out on one of Alex's World War I uh, battlefield uh, holidays, tours, call it what you will, study groups even, who knows. 
and uh, and Tony and I, Tony and I, what? Piss up. Piss up. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah was, that was that. That was that was what I was waiting for. That sounds about right. From yeah. What I, the Any, video I well, saw. exactly. Anyway, I, I ended up rooming with Tony, and uh, we bonded even more than we had bonded before. And bear in mind, we've been doing the podcast, this podcast, for a long time together before then, but. I love him to pieces. He's one of my great friends. I really do, do love Tony to pieces. And he lives near, near me. And the great tragedy is, is that had it not been for lockdown, um, I would have been well up for wandering over to see him down in Clanfield, which is kind of over a few hills from where I live in Winchester. And we would have had a beer in one of the fine pubs that are around there. So I, I don't know where he is tonight. Quite often he's in, in Mixler, but uh, it appears not tonight. But uh, I hope that answers the question, R.A. Blue. When he comes on next, I'll ask him to tell you his version of the story and he'll probably say, oh, there was some irritating little prick who was trying to scab a bear off me in the pub or get my autograph, and I, I relented in the end, and it was Chidge. But anyway, who you know knows? You know, you're talking about the stall. You forgot the bit every week where Chuckles Cabby turns up and just randomly starts insulting everybody. Oh, dearie me, Chuckles, <laughs> I know. And, and he's always the first with the team sheet. Now, uh, I, I had to answer that one because obviously I was the only one who knew the answer, but I shall address this one to Alex. When... Uh, team sit back would it help to have james play as the right side of the back three and let either hudson adoy or pulisic play as the wing back cutting in occasionally from the wing that's j shack 26 yes that sounds like a good idea to me any more for any more <laughs> I think it sounds like a perfectly reasonable suggestion that, would that would that be instead of dave does that mean dave not playing I've misunderstood this. Is he playing instead of Dave? Is he playing in the three? Because he's not playing. If he's playing... Yeah, right side of the back three, that would be as Pilaquetta's position normally. Yeah, that's, that's it? Dave. Yeah. Well, that's an, I tell you what, that, that, that picks up on something that we didn't talk about but maybe should have done because, I mean, he has done that occasionally. He's played both... if the opposition is very speedy, this is a good idea. Well, exactly. But, I, I mean, I, he has done it. He has played uh, James as the right the right of the three centre-backs and um, Hudson-Odoi is the right wing-back. Um, mm. I, I think I think James is a better wing-back, I have to say. But I have I have another thing too. You know, that little analysis I did of, of, of how many minutes each player has played under Tuchel. Mm. Aspilicueta, uh, when I did this, I think they'd played 11 matches. He's played 900 minutes. He's played every single minute of every single match apart from against Barnsley. How many minutes did he have under Frank? You know. Not not anything like that. We we were all saying under Frank, oh, we can see Aspie maybe his last season. You know, James is replacing him. But I but think I think to... I, I think I think that Tuchel really wants. I think he I think he sees something that none of us get to see. And I will ask you about this, J.K., because we know you're a big Dave lover. But I think Tuchel sees something that none of us see, and I think he sees the captain that we don't see behind the scenes because it's clear that he wants him on the pitch more than anybody else. He eulogised about him specifically, didn't he? He was asked about Dave in a press conference and he said, um, I hadn't realised um, when I worked with him what, a, what an influence he was and what an unbelievably reliable professional he was. So um, he sees this going further. I mean, I thought, I thought Dave was found out a bit on, uh, on Sunday um, once again. So um, um, it's just these moments when we see their frailties it makes me think, you know, we're we're by no the finished product, and yet he's he's clearly his influence, Tuchel's influence, is astounding, 
and and Dave is very much a, a really important cog in the uh, in the setup. But I, I don't think that James would be playing in that position to answer the previous question. Um, I don't think he, you know, I think Dave occupies the, he's one of the three, that's his position. And he isn't, he's then actually not as vulnerable as he is when he's playing fullback, because we've established he's not the, he's not the speed merchant he used to be. He's still really very good for playing, playing in the three. So uh, that's where he's going to keep on playing, as far as I can see. I think he was undoubtedly first on the team sheet for every game before I think there are some games when he's not now but that doesn't well mean he's played he's played apart, apart from you know I can only go up to uh the the first 11 matches we're now 14 in he mm. had played 90 minutes of every game under Tuchel bar the Barnsley match yeah I, I do think there's a nobody there, else nobody else had at all there may be a propensity like JK says to get caught out against certain opposition I, I don't think it's really happened yet um, but I don't know. Would you think he might against City? I mean, I it depends who plays wing back, and if yeah. the, if someone if someone a bit too attack minded playing at wing back and doesn't cover on that side, he, there could be a problem. But um... I, st- I still think there are issues with James defensively. I have to say, I, I think he's as you get with young players. It's not like a, a dig at James necess- unnecessarily, but you know, young players switch off at times. You know, young players haven't got that experience of knowing where to look to see where the player might be coming from. You know, and and I think James is guilty of that, but he'll get better the more experience he gets. But I think when it comes to speed and tenacity, I think he's 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 ahead of he's ahead of Aspie in that department. So if you are playing against a really quick team, you know, him and Hudson Odoi as uh, right right centre back and uh, right wing back would work for me, but. I think you might find that Tuchel thinks differently because I think he thinks a lot of a, a lot of Dave. Uh, certainly, judging by the fact that he's played him every game, well, up until the other day, anyway. You know what I mean. Um, all right, last uh, no, not last question. I'm terribly sorry, Martin Anerban, one of our great Discord uh, mates, says has Mount's performance improved after he shaved off his goatee? Not a fucking clue. <laughs> 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 I don't pay that much attention. Jesus, I haven't got a Scooby. Um, I thought he had a know. bit of a dodgy little moustache, little chop. Well, I'm going to go for Charlie Chaplin rather than. Don't the other. go for it. Don't no, go Don't for mention the other alternative. But, yeah. yeah. But the other thing, we didn't talk about Mount earlier, and we should do because um, he was made captain again. And I thought that was a wonderful statement by Tuchel because we all thought that he that he got made captain against Luton, Frank's last game, because Frank knew it was his last game and he wanted to make a point. So it was really interesting, wasn't it, Martin, to see that, that Mount had been made captain by Tuchel? It wasn't that interesting. I think people were panicking too much about him getting dropped when Tuchel came in. I thought there was a faintly ridiculous reaction about it in some quarters from people who should have known a lot better. Um yeah, if, if way of saying I'm not going to railroad everything Frank did just for the hell of it. This was this was this was what certain people were saying. Oh, you know, Mount won't play, James won't play, and it's like that's bollocks, as, as has been proven. Yeah. You know, German coaches don't fear playing young players. No. So that's good. Maybe that's why Chelsea hired him. Well, if if there's a long term project, maybe we should be focusing on the on the squad, not the manager. 
Yeah, I I think I, well, did... I think I think Frank Frank started the process, yeah. and if it comes to fruition, he will deserve full credit. Well, for it. he proved it can be done, and nobody exactly. had managed to do that hitherto. You know, but I'm I'm really excited about you know the squad, the manager, the club, the players, the whole shebang at the moment. The only thing I'm not excited about is about to have to sit on my fat ass and watch it on the flaming TV. But other than that, I'm a happy camper. Now, J.K., you have your hand up, sir. I do. Abramovich's article he was interviewed yeah recently. i haven't read it yet but apparently it's a cracker and now he's suing someone yeah he's suing someone as well but he you knows he's, he's been mentioning um how important the academy is for yeah him. yeah so uh, perhaps this is uh, this is all being folded into the, yeah. uh, the mix so he's not bored yet then uh, clearly not he's trying to also create a, a legacy so he said it said mm. in the you should read it. It's, it's interesting. It no, I've say, saved it away. It's Forbes, isn't it? He doesn't pull up any trees, Chip. It's not, you know, there aren't revel- excuse me, revelations in it. But it's nice to have him making statements that we we deduced really ourselves. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, Kenroy, our mate Kenroy from San Lucia, JK. This yes. is a question aimed at you. Oh God. He says, Jonathan, how ah. how do our three former managers compare in legacy? Talking of legacies. Uh, Jose Mourinho, yes. John Neal, yes. Tommy Doherty. Oh, different times, different times. I think um, uh, they, they, um, uh, what, what um, Doherty and Mourinho had is that they all, they both self-imploded, um, which, uh, uh, looking at them as as personalities, was a kind, was kind of inevitable. Not that we knew at the time with they either. Lost of the dressing room. They did. We're not that we knew at the time with either of them, of course. Um, I'm not convinced that they, Mourinho lost the dressing room when he went the first time. I think uh, not the I first think, time. You know, I think he'd fallen out with the the owner. I think also we hadn't realised that Mourinho only likes managing in short bursts with um, with sides. So we thought that uh, somehow he'd been thrown out um, without any involvement. Whereas I think he he actually it was he who who wanted to move. Um, he, he organised the move. Uh, uh, John Neal's, of course, was a completely different kettle of fish because um, um, uh, I always got the impression that he was he, he was slightly ill all the way through his his tenure, and he wasn't. Watching Chelsea can do that to you. He can do that to you. I think it gives you uh, it uh, it plays with your 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 husbands and your cousins, as my dad used to say. Um, but um, um, uh, not as dynamic. Um, um, definitely not contentious john neil just um you just got the impression that he was it was a he knew what he was doing and you respected his decisions but um it it wasn't the kind of world where uh, well for him he didn't come out and say much he wasn't he wasn't um uh, media particularly media savvy but when he did speak he made great sense whereas doherty was um was a big personality and um um it was an era where where people were beginning, if you came out and said stuff, it was very new, and uh, and you'd create a lot of interest, and that's what he did. But he he completely shot himself in the foot because if he'd stayed there, I mean, in fact, if they'd signed Jimmy Greaves, that was a board's problem. If they'd signed him back, they'd have won everything. Somebody asked me that question during the week, and I think they would have actually won absolutely everything with Greaves because um, there was a, there was a touch of genius about Doherty. He, he could. Uh, in the way that he used the youth, the way that he he moulded the youth. I mean, this was a this is a big difference with him and the other two managers in that he got he he used the youth sides that had won the the youth cup. Whereas um, Neil, um, all right, 
made some fantastic signings, as we know. That was yeah, but that for, was for hardly his, anything as well. Yeah, well, that was one of his great attributes. Well, that yes. was Ian, that was Ian McNeil. That was the, he was indeed, the, indeed. The I was a great about, scout, wasn't he? I was about to say that he worked very much in tandem with Ian McNeil, um, which is uh, uh, I'm, I don't know whether Doherty worked with anybody in particular to uh, to help him. He seemed to be very much his own man. Um, and then we've gone into in Mourinho. He had a decent decent. Uh, team behind him but that was a different era because I think teams were um, you'd get lots of other people to take training and you just organised it in a way that I think Doherty seemed to run everything and um, and I got the impression it was uh, um, who was running the who was running the the uh, under under Neil it was uh, was it Ernie Wally no it wasn't at that time was it who ran, actually ran the training I think it wasn't as um, Ian McNeil uh, it, it was of course he did yeah absolutely absolutely um, but, it reminds so me it, of that Canners thing from the sleep out last last couple of years ago. Yeah, who was John yeah. Ollins' assistant? <laughs> Ernie Wally. No, not him. John yeah. Neil. Ian McNeil. Canners, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I hope I'm giving a, a, a decent, very different managers, very different eras. Um, uh, all of them, if they'd actually uh, hung around, I think would have created dynasties. Um, uh, Doherty imploded and uh, um, and almost wanted to get sacked, as far as I can see. Mourinho did the same, but John Neal, his, his health was very delicate, so it could never happen. But we wanted at the time, we wanted all of them, because of the success of the club under them, we wanted them to keep on staying and keep on managing, yeah. because the, the team so improved. That's very all good. the teams yeah. so improved. Very true. Uh, Steve on uh, Mixler or Torhouse, should I say, has made a couple of excellent points, which we uh, slipped our mind. But uh, Dave Sexton was uh, the assistant and the coach under Tommy Dock. Of course he was. Of and course he, was. he actually was hugely responsible, as because I know this because I've spoken to the likes of uh, Chopper and uh, Tommy Baldwin and uh, Johnny Boyle, and uh, they told me how how influential Sexton was, and Bobby Ta- Bobby Tamling actually as well says how influ- influential Sexton was as the coach. And of course, Johnny Hollins was with uh, John Neal and Ian McNeil. Yeah, but that didn't work terribly well. No, no, it? no. But it did when he was was a coach. When he was there. Yeah, no, I'm being. It's uh, only sorry, when he I'm, became manager that it gave. I'm pink forgetting tongue. that they all had very decent people around them. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's true. Like me, I I have very decent people around me, which is why this show is so fantastic. It would be really shit if it was just me. That's for sure. Um. I love these little Discord uh, questions, so keep them coming in, folks, and when we've got a bit of time, we'll read them out. Uh, to be in our Discord group, as I said, you need to be a Patreon. And what on earth is that, I hear you say? Well, it's a kind I don't know, really. It's like a website, I suppose, but um, it means that you can uh, donate a little bit of money every month, which helps me to pay for putting these shows on. And believe it or not, there are costs associated with it, aren't there, Alex? You know this now, don't you? It costs money to do a podcast. You notice how I don't interrupt you anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's hard bloody work. Um, Yeah, and then people go, I love it when you post the Patreon thing, right, having put in a 90-hour week on giving everybody free content and some wanker comes up and goes, that's a bit tacky, begging for money. Oh, so do you go to work and expect to get paid? Then fuck off. (laughs) I am now going to record that. Welcome back, Alex. (laughs) I'm going to record that. I'm going to record that. And then, well, obviously I'm recording it. It's always fun. Oh, that's tacky. That's like you're begging. It's always a recording, obviously, because otherwise it wouldn't be a podcast. But I will clip that out. (laughs) And every week when I say, anyway, you should join Patreon. This is why, Alex. Because you work bloody hard. And if you don't appreciate it, you can fuck off. There you go. 
Um, I mean, the bottom line is what I like about Patreon, rather than like, you know, making people pay for the bloody show, which I refuse to do until the day I die. You can uh, you can shoot me dead with a cold hand of my gun or whatever Charlton Heston said a long time ago. They will never, ever be, you know, something you have to pay for. But if people appreciate and like what we do, then fine. You can donate something and you can donate whatever you want, as much or as little as you want. There's no pressure. There's no bloody tears and all that hierarchical bullshit. If you want to do it, do it. If you don't, don't. I love you either way. But if you do, uh, you become a Discord. uh, You can get access to our Discord group, which is huge fun, particularly on a match day. And there's all sorts of mad stuff going on. They missed a stick in his tactical analysis and stuff, which lots of people like. So there you go. All sorts of great stuff. And, of course, you can also get a Kerry Dixon mini banner. What's not to like? So there you go. Right. Um, now, it's time for uh, the fannies, okay? I'm bringing the fannies back. Uh, I had a bit of Twitter exchange with Chelsea in America, and they said, like many people have said in the past, we missed the Chelsea fancast fannies, which were man of the match, chance of the match guinness and celery moments are you going to bring them back and i said we don't have enough time to do it every week and they said well that's pretty grim and i said i know but tough and they said well what about if you did it every month and i said well that'll work you know so there you go so we're going to do them monthly we've had uh, a whole month now uh we can't do man of the match because clearly we're talking about a lot of matches uh but every, and we can't do chant of the match because we're not there so that it's knocks that one out no no it's chant of the match if we could do a chant of the match on Sunday, Osgood, Osgood, no, Born is, no, no, Born is no, the kite that no. it Because yeah. the whole precept of it was that we would hear a really good chant at the match, which was quite but often are these, new. Aren't these extenuating circumstances? No, I have the right of veto on this and I'm vetoing it. Oh, okay, but I thought it was vaguely interesting. But, no. There is a chant later on, which you can sing. How about that? No, I don't want to. <laughs> he's gonna sulk i do love it all right so you get the drift <laughs> <laughs> you get the drift so okay right these have all come from discord because they've got the categories in discord so the people who are in there on matchdale discord can like nominate whoever they like and this is pretty much what we've come up for we've got you me uh jk uh martin and alex have got to come up with i i mean should we go for three or fours the nominations on these what do you think three or four I don't know what you mean. We we are going to decide which gets put forward as nominations for them to vote on for next week's show. Three in a Twitter poll, isn't it? So is it? Well, three is Martin. Let's do three. Three, three, three it is. Okay, so three. three. Okay, done. Right now, the man of the month, as in the man of the matches of the month, uh, covering the Liverpool, Everton, Leeds, Atletico, and Sheffield United games. Right. So the list that they they've come up with, we have Mason Mount for Liverpool. Andreas Christensen for Liverpool and Everton, Kai Havertz uh, Everton, Edouard Mendy for Leeds, Kante for Atletico, Rudiger for Atletico, Kurt Zuma Sheffield, Christian Pulisic Sheffield. So out of that, you find me three that deserve to be put forward to be the man of the month. JK? Kante. Kante? Yeah. Um, now, do I want to go on the balance for Christensen? Or do I want to go with Rudiger for just a fucking boss-like performance again at Atletico? I'll, I'll put one for Rudiger. Let's do Rudiger. Yeah, but Kante, Rudiger and Christensen would be my three. But then Mount. No, I was, I... I was going to go Kante, Rudiger and Mount purely for that goal at Anfield. Okay. Yeah, I'll shift then. I'll say Mount as well then, not Christensen. Well, yeah, I'm, Mount... down with, I'm down with Martins. Kante, Rudiger and Mount. Yeah, can we all agree on that one then, those three, Chidge? I, I feel like we've been harsh on Christensen, but I can live with it. 
I've made two seasons of it, so I'm not going <laughs> to... Well, we can put Christensen in, because then we can have four. Because you can have four on Twitter. Let the people speak then. Let the people oh. decide. We've all gone for Rudiger over Christensen on balance, but maybe they'll think... No, I'm, I'm going to add Christensen in. We'll do a fourfer on that one. Right, celery moment. This should be a little bit easier. Again, same matches. Liverpool, Everton, Leeds, Atletico, Sheffield United. The nominations that the Discord group have come up with are really hilarious. There's some obvious standout ones here. Kovacic kicking the ball against Mane's head at the Liverpool match. Uh, celery moment, just for avoidance of doubt, is a moment of proper chelseness, a moment of comedy on or off the pitch. Okay, very simple. Uh, anyway, Kovacic kicking the ball against Mane's head. Uh, Alonso winking at Davies after Davies had uh, not really clattered him, but he made it look like he had uh, in the Everton match. Tommy Tuchel to Werner. Uh, this apparently was in German. Timo, how long are you staying on the left? You're playing on the right. The last 15 minutes, you've only been on the left. Don't you understand? Which I thought was very funny. And another Tuchel nomination, uh, this time shouting at a Leeds director after um, we didn't kick the ball out because apparently one of their players broke a fingernail. Uh, would you do it for one of my players? Bart back Tuchel. Leave my players alone, he added, before turning his back almost disdainfully on the Leeds Supremo. I think this was their one of their board directors. Um, Mount, Silver and Jorginho celebrating in the stands versus Atletico. Uh, Rudiger and Zuma telling Hormoza where to go against Atletico. And a pretty poor one from uh, from yesterday because not really much made me laugh, but Sheffield United's own goal did make me laugh. So those are the ones they've come up with. I think we need three out of those people. Definitely the celebration. Yeah, celebration in the stand. Fantastic. What about Rudiger's skullduggery? Um, in that game where Suarez tried it every five seconds and then the commentary what? had the audacity to mention Rudiger pretending to be more hurt than he was. That didn't get in. Boom. Boom. But, the, but Rudiger and Zuma telling Hermosa to get stuff did. Uh, Zuma's, is there a problem here, lads? And then Hermosa fucking off was quite amusing. And the thing is, the Emerson goal just made me laugh out loud at the sheer absurdity of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it, it didn't get... I was in, what the fuck is going on? It didn't Let's get go mentioned. to the Alonso wink, because having someone that pretty mock you. All right. Well, I, I'm going to pull rank here for a second, because you've got to nominate Kovacic kicking the ball against Mane's head. So one time I wanted him to shoot... That was that was the only time he's got one on target. <laughs> but I, I felt that was a team effort because Rudiger pushed the player beautifully and he fell over and then he kicked the ball against his head. So are we all in agreement about Kovacic kicking the ball against Mane's head? Yes. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm always going to be man-hit by football. Man-hit by like football. This. All right. Yeah. Alex, yeah. Is, Alex is warming to Alonso's wink. I think we're all universal about Mount Silver and Jorginho celebrating in the stands, aren't we? Yes. yes. Yeah. So really, yeah. we just want one out of the rest of them, which is the two Tuchels, uh, Rudiger and Zuma telling Hormoza where to go, or Alonso winking at Davies. Let's let's go for them one where they tell him to. Yeah, Rudiger and Zuma. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm. I I'm... wish it had been the other Rudiger. Moment well, no, but you got yeah. slightly touched in the head and fell down like you've been shot. Well, I know, but that, I think that that's all part of it because that's what Hormoza yeah. was wound up about. So okay, so the nominations for celery moment of the month. Kovacic kicking the ball against Mane's head. Mount Silver Giorgino celebrating in the stands. Rudiger and Zuma telling Hermosa where to go. Right. Last but by no means least, you will not be surprised under the rather uh, German industrial musical version of uh, Tommy Ducal's Chelsea, there are not many Guinness moments 
that have been nominated. But the ones that have, there are four. So maybe we get this down to three. Uh, Mount's goal against Liverpool. Mendy's save against Leeds, which can either be the tip over the bar or the changing direction palmed it away. Havertz's run and pass to Werner for the first goal versus Atletico. And Pulisic skinning two Sheffield, well, might have been three Sheffield United defenders, actually, uh, yesterday. JK? Sorry, what's the definition of a Guinness moment? A Guinness moment, Alex, is a moment of brilliance or beauty on the football pitch. So beautiful, in fact, in a sexual way, it kind of makes you go, ah. But but, uh, I went, ah, when Zayat, you finally went, ah. Yeah, but you get get aroused far too easily for a man of your age. I'll go with the Mendy save. Excuse me, that's really unfair. Somehow you get past a certain age and you can't get it up anymore. Well, I was being complimentary. You get far too aroused for a man of your age. You've turned it round now, haven't you? You you gave it a slight sneery. Oh, insecure much. No. no, Insecure much. No, no, man man knowing how something (laughs) is said. Man knowing how he heard it. No, no, no. You heard what you wanted to hear, mate. Yeah, no, don't interpret. <laughs> don't stop your trick. Hands up, all of, your, all of us who are psychoanalysts here. Oh, that'd be me. Well, uh, can, I, can I say, but I really enjoyed Zayac's goal. I thought it was wonderful. But he didn't get nominated. Why, why didn't he get nominated? Well, get your ass into Discord on a match day and bloody nominate them then. Well, I did get my ass in there. But, 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 but. Just didn't nominate But, 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 Okay, 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 right. Pulisic. Pulisic. So we got, I've got, we've got a Mendy and a Pulisic. Oh, you got to have the Mount's goal in there and a Mount goal. Okay, I mean, I, I, I'm prepared to go with that because I think that Havertz is running past Welsh very lovely. You know, I, I, it did make me go oh, a bit, but actually the Mount goal made me go oh, a lot more. I mean, all of those three: Mendy save, Mount's goal, Pulisic is, uh, you know, skinning the. They, they all made me basically go oh in a rather orgasmic way, so I would go with that. I could give you the exact noise I made. I went, oh, oh, like that, because I thought That's he was going to... like you burnt your mouth on a hot chip. You, yeah, sound, you sound like very Wiggins. Simple. Yeah, very simple. Well, also, we were coming, I was sitting there like that, and I thought, oh, wait, but you're coming forwards. It's the actual, you know, it's the, the movement is necessary. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. You know, it's that, you know. All right. Okay, so there we go. We've got our, we've got our nominations. Now, you lot out there, you've got some work to do now, because I will put these up on Twitter as a poll. Uh, possibly on the website. Uh, if I can figure out how to do it on Discord, I'll do it there too. And then you have to vote for them by next uh, next week, next Monday, and then we will have them. Uh, we will find the winners for our, the return of the fannies. I'm so excited. Right. Uh, almost as excited by the fact that we've got loads of emails to read out, JK. And the first one is from Shane, Shane Miller. Shane. I think it's Shane, isn't it? Hang on, hang on, Chidge. Let me get a bloody page up. Oh, come on, son. Get yeah. on it. Bloody hell fire. Hang on, hang on. I got the I got the pro uh, oh where they are. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, that's just the map of them. Where where okay, where is it? Hang on, get in there. Hang on, everybody, mixler, everybody, hang on, hang on, hang on. So I'm just gonna make some chocolate while you're fannying about. Oh fannying, that's clever, because we just did the fannies, didn't we? Oh, here we are, here we are, here we are. Here Chocolate and beer go really well together, by the way. Does anybody know about this discovery? What is it? Organic green and black ginger chocolate goes really well with beer. Has got through through chocolate flavored beers somewhere. I'm hope I'm hoping. For... I went through a load of them over the weekend. So I'm having some olives with anchovy. 
Anyway. Have you found um, it, love? I have, I have. Shane Miller. Dear Chidge, JK and the Pod Day Squad. I'm really enjoying this Chelsea run under Tuchel. I'm really enjoying watching us play under Tuchel. I love the fact we're going into the second leg of our Champions League tie against Atletico ahead on aggregate. We won, Shane, we won. I find it completely draining every interaction with groups of fans along this and seemingly every incredible run of form has been met with a very loud quotation since it's all online these days, although I'm not even talking about Twitter, though for what it's worth, and significant portion of those who are finding things to complain about, i.e. we don't create enough chances. Well, we don't. We should be winning. We should. We can't finish. We can't. Pass, pass, pass. That's good. I like that. This match was so boring. Maybe it's because I've loved football long before I loved Chelsea. Maybe it's because I'm the type of football fan who will stop and watch an entire under-sevens match if I were to walk by one where the ball never even comes close to a goal just because I love the game. Maybe it's because I was a defender most of my life, but isn't part of the point of all this football the glorious unpredictability, drama and tension of sport? Well, sort of, but I do like Chelsea winning. I thought the beauty of sport was not that things that you want to happen or expect to happen actually happen, but that all of those on paper considerations disappear for 90 hard-fought minutes, and afterwards the result is the most important part. These days, I honestly am finding it exhausting to talk about Chelsea with fellow fans. We're in the middle of a global pandemic for over a year. The stadiums are still empty. The footballers are soldiering on with various and ever-changing quarantine lifestyles. We just ruthlessly and unceremoniously fired a Chelsea legend as manager. And yet our Chelsea has given up something silly, like two goals in 12 matches across multiple competitions, are competing for trophies and arguably a second-placed finish. And some people want to complain about our lack of quality chances. Of course, such complaints might turn out to be well warranted and prescient in hindsight. But for me, the point of being a football fan is just enjoying the successes of your club, even if it's just for 90 minutes. A draw against a reckless Leeds side with multiple changes and a cup tie turning our heads. Separate conversation about why it's natural for our 18-month contract mercenary manager to possibly sacrifice Prem results for the tantalising chance to take a run in the Champions League is for another email to me, is not a bad result in context. There's a lot of moaning about these draws. If you look at the average form over five matches, i.e. total points in last five matches divided by five, and then plotted over time, you've lost me, I'm afraid. Our results, not expected goals, not touches in the box, not possession, etc., etc. Our results have been relatively outstanding. No team has had a better average form for more than maybe a match than us under Tuchel before this Leeds match other than Man City. In other words, even if you think I'm just being a romantic idealist football fan earlier, we quantitatively, I say as a professional mathematician, ah, it's all revealed now, have been in better form than everyone but since Man, uh, but Man City, since Tuchel took over. Today's draw will put this form back down into the mix of the others, in my eyes, where we probably belong. A few more wins on the run and we're fighting for second again. I understand that a few more draws and we're in a rough spot. I guess my sentiment is these two perspectives are merely choices. And sometimes it feels like the critical negative worrying one is the prevailing one. And I find that more annoying than another nil-nil draw. I don't expect these good feelings and results to continue, but I feel hopeful given our performances and I'm going to enjoy them while they're here. Hope you're well. Up the Chelsea. Um, 
Shane, aka Arith Muggle. P.S. Hoping for a nil-nil masterclass to advance past Atleti. Well, we did much better than that, didn't we? Yeah, a a a. I think that's being we're being shame. We're being slightly um, uh, um, negative. We're being slightly um, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, pessimistic about the team here. Because um, I, I mean, I don't, I, know think Sh- I don't think Shane is. Shane's being quite the opposite. No, well, I, I, I know when he says that he's happy with nil nil. Um, uh, he's being positive, but at the same time, um, uh, I think he's being slightly negative in that in that he's accepting a nil nil. Whereas um, I, I, I don't. No, I, we see, I, I, I can understand this because you know what's happening here. You see, we've got the classic roundhead versus Cavaliers argument that you and I have been dishing out on the show ever since you and I have been on the show. Yes. You know, I am a roundhead. You are a Cavalier. Yes. You yes. want beautiful stuff and exciting stuff, and I don't care as long as we whip the, whip, you know, as long as we beat the bastards. And I think Shane's a bit of a realist like me. I, do you know what? I never knew Shane, who's a lovely bloke, by the way. Again, Patreon, Discord, seen him in the cock many a time when he's been over from the States. Really lovely bloke. I never knew he was a mathematician. Now I know why he's called Arith Muggle. This is far more important than the content of the email, you understand. The fact that I now understand why he's called Arith Muggle, but. I think I think Shane Shane is a realist, you know, and he likes to win. Like me. We all like to win, but he's being happy with a nil nil draw. But I don't care how we win, that's the difference. No, but I, I don't really care how we win as long as we win the trophies. Right, in the- so then we, we are in agreement. It's lovely. The whole world is concordant again. Yes, JK yeah. and Chidge finally agree. No, we're not finally agreeing. Okay. I'm happy with that, to be honest. A few grey areas, Chidge, you know that. All right. Well. Moving swiftly on, I would ask you to, to comment, but you look about as riveted to, to, to what me and JK are saying as a person who is not riveted to anything. So I will move on and I will go to you next, I promise. Right, this is from Nathan Hall. Nathan says, good morning, Chidge. Yeah, hap- is, is it morning already? Have we been on that long? No, I don't think so. Anyway, good morning, Chidge and JK and most distinguished guests. Greetings from across the pond. I'm just writing to say how much I enjoy the Chelsea fancast. It is truly something to look forward to in these strange times. Thank you all for bringing some levity, hilarity and, of course, real fan analysis and commentary. I'm a relatively new Chelsea fan. In fact, I've only been watching football for a few years, so I thought I'd share a few things from my perspective. I grew up in a small town in the American South and I'm rapidly approaching the half-century mark. I'm an old fart. Yes, I know that feeling. When I was younger... In my rural school, there was no football except of the American type. I grew up with basketball, baseball, wrestling and American football. But soccer didn't make its way to my school until I was much older. So with me, it didn't take. A few years ago, a mate from work had an LFC cap on. And I had to ask him what it was. Turns out it was a dunce cap. (laughs) This led to conversations about the Premier League and I began to watch a few matches. I was thrilled with the speed, physicality and tactical nature of the game. And I began, and I found it a joy to watch. So how does a mid-40s bloke choose a club to support when he doesn't live in England? I certainly wasn't going to support the same team as my co-worker. We needed a rivalry. My only connection to England was real. Was sorry, was really through film and music. And I'd seen a few actors and musicians that I like sporting a Chelsea shirt over the years. I began watching a few matches under newly appointed manager Maurizio Sarri. Deary me. And then I discovered Eden Hazard. He was magic. It took me all of that season to be able to really start to understand some of the nuance of the game. I was getting hooked. I was learning all of the players and their positions. I was really starting to enjoy the club. Pretty good finish to the season, too. 
Then the manager was sacked and Hazard left. Probably just on a bump in the road, right? My mate from work and I got to see an international cup match between Arsenal and AC Fiorentina at Carolina Panthers Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. The match day experience was incredible. I was amazed to see how much support these clubs had there in the States. I was now able to start really following the club with a fresh start under the direction of a club legend, Frank Lampard. This club was mine now. I was here from before Frank took over. It was a difficult season during the transfer ban, but I was so happy with what Frank was doing, especially with the academy players. And then the wheels started to come off earlier this season, and the pressure on Lampard began to increase. The day that I knew that I was truly a fan was when Frank was sacked. I was physically sick over it, and the Chelsea fancast truly helped fans to process everything that was happening. You guys put into words what many of us were feeling. Thank you for all of that. I was reluctant to give Tuchel a chance, but he's doing a pretty good job. Top four and still unbeaten as of 16th of March. I'll probably keep up with Frank wherever he lands in the hopes that he develops and eventually ends up back at Chelsea. I really like Frank. Anyway, forgive my rambling. I just want to say that you guys are the best and you've truly helped to share the soul of the club to fans like me all over the world. When all of this is over, I'd love to share a pint near the bridge. Keep the blue flag flying high up the Chelsea. Nathan Hall. Well, I echo that last sentiment absolutely, Nathan, about having a beer. Now, Martin and Alex, um, I'm going to ask you a a specific question that comes out of uh, Nathan's email. I shall go to Alex first because otherwise she'll tell me off for being misogynistic, Martin. But Alex, do you think Frank Lampard will come back to manage Chelsea one day? Uh, I hope so. I think uh, there was a very big risk that he was biting off more than he could managerially chew when he took the job so early in his career. Uh, we all hoped it wouldn't end up with a second, but it did. But I very much hope that that doesn't mean he feels he can never come back because I love him. Hmm. What do you reckon, Martin? I'd like him to come back, but at some point, but I'd fear that the circumstances that would lead to it would mean that something's gone wrong at Chelsea somewhere, whether it's financially or otherwise, because he only was seems to have been offered the job because everyone else looked the other way when there was a transfer ban in place. I'd also like to uh, mention Richie Sarri was not sacked. He left of his own accord. Uh, JK, next email, Kyle Cato. Not now, Cato. Yeah. Clever, clever, because that's a Pink Panther reference, it is. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you could say the. You've um, got Buzz Lightyear behind you. That's not a reference to a sexual toy, by the way. Yeah, I've got um, I've got a, a toy from uh, um, a Toy Story that time forgot as well. That was me that I played. Is that why you've got it from Infinity to Beyond, or the other way yeah, around yeah, to Infinity a, from Beyond to, to Infinity and Beyond? Thank you. Take Thank four. You. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to Infinity and Beyond. Anyway, Carl Cato, dear Chidge, JK and guests, I want to start by saying how much of an impact you all have had on my family in the few short years we've been listening to the fan cast. I've been a Chelsea fan my whole life, but have never sat down and reflected on it until now. Growing up in California, I've played soccer my whole life, but the world of football was only a minor part until recently. When I turned 21 three years ago, that makes you 24, I learned there was only one small football pub in my town, and a Manchester United pub at that. Nevertheless, my roommate, also a Chelsea fan, and I decided we'd go and watch a Chelsea match there. To our surprise, there were a few other Chelsea fans present, and the atmosphere in the pub that day had me enamoured immediately. I'd always checked the Chelsea scores throughout my teenage years and watched the big games, but after that day, I knew I wanted this team to play a larger role in my life. 
throughout the Sari, Lampard and now Tuchel tenures, I've watched each game as if the world would not go on if we somehow lost. I feel exactly the same. Today we've won. This morning I received a call from my mother that my grandfather likely only has a few days left. Papa Mac. His work saw him living in London with his wife and son, my father, on and off throughout my father's childhood. Without my grandfather, I wouldn't have this wonderful team in my life. At kickoff today, my father texted me, you watching the game? To which I responded with a picture of my Guinness and celery. Love the celery, he said. Chidge would be proud, not a Zayek fan. My mother and father were watching from their local pub as I watched from home a few hundred miles north. From the time that ball was kicked off until the final whistle, it seemed there was only one thing happening in our lives, Chelsea, and that thing was great. When Zayek sent that first goal into the back of the net, I messaged them, Chidge can eat his words. <laughs> I think it's me as well, actually. I've been a bit down on him. I was so happy that Zayek had scored. The Emerson goal in stoppage time was the cherry on top. I'm so thankful for, for this team. And I'm so thankful that my to my grandfather for bringing Chelsea into my life. As my father always says, family is everything. Chelsea is a part of our family. And much like London, my family will always be blue. All the best, Kyle Cato. Wow, brilliant, Kyle. Brilliant. Lovely emotion with that. Blimey. Yeah, brilliant, wasn't it? I'm sorry to hear you've been having a tough time, mate. Uh, it's yeah, it's tough, tough for a lot of people at the moment. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm I'm hope that we are, we are helping in some way to help you uh, pull through all of that and uh, get yourself over to. I mean, I, I to all of the Americans, particularly writing, but anybody else, doesn't matter where you're from, get yourself over to a game. And come and find us, and we'll buy you a beer and have a drink because that is really what it's all about. I mean, it sounds like their pubs are open, not ours. Well, we maybe. Be going we'll, okay, there. we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> but Brian Wolf, you know, is a great advocate of that, isn't he, Alex? You know, he gets that. Chelsea and Chicago. I hate him right now because he sent me a text for the game yesterday saying I'm in an Uber on the way to the pub. I was like, get out of my face. He's listening to this tomorrow in the gym. I hate you. Definitely. Just that, you owe me a bath and bodywork to care. Definitely. Anyway, I still love him, really. Anyway, uh, this is from Thomas Fulton. And Thomas says, good evening, Chidge and Jonathan et al. It's Alex and Martin, not Al. Uh, anyway, I'm an avid listener to the show and have been for a number of years. Firstly, a confession. I'm a northerner. But that's all right. As Cheltel used to say, do you remember this, JK? He said, but northerners are real people with real emotions. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Oh, I just love Tell for that. We had a bit of, we had a bit of Cheltelage, didn't we, on Twitter yesterday? We did, we did. Yeah. Don't know where he's come. You know, I haven't seen him for ages. Anyway, um, so where was I? I'm a northerner. I know, I know. Please don't hold it against me. But I've supported Chelsea since I first saw Zola, Kulit and Leboeuf while beginning my love of football in my childhood. I fall into the peculiar position of being a British Chelsea fan who occasionally manages to get to Stamford Bridge. However, I feel I have lots in common with a multitude of international fans you can only watch from afar, but still have that unique connection to our wonderful football club. I'm originally from North Wales and have moved around all over the place, but watching Chelsea has always been my number one priority. Now, as a Northern Chelsea fan, I'm often accused by rival fans as being a glory hunter. However, I adamantly believe I am a battle-hardened Chelsea fan as I was the only Chelsea fan in my school and uh, and in the area I grew up in, 
That meant a lot of arguments for fans of Liverpool, Man United and the occasional Everton fan. Imagine being surrounded by Liverpool fans 24-7. I can't think of anything worse, I have to say. Even in my current job, there are Liverpool fans surrounding me in the office. The first Chelsea match I actually attended was Liverpool versus Chelsea at Anfield in 2002, uh, when Smyser scored a last-minute winner and I was sat in the Liverpool end, devastated. Born that day was my pure hatred of Liverpool Football Club, their players, fans and stadium. Luckily, I've been to a few better matches at Anfield, including 2010, when Gerrard passed straight to Drogba and I happened to be sat in the cop, hands firmly placed under my arse. While Drogba slid on his knees directly in front of me, talk about restraint. One major silver lining of this pandemic has been working from home, meaning I've managed to avoid them celebrating winning the title last season. In fact, just like they did. <laughs> Oh, the irony. Even now, I don't have any Chelsea fans in my friendship groups, which means listening to your podcast and the lads from the London is Blue podcast is essential in giving me a tangible connection to our club. So thank you very much for the entertainment and the work you put in through good results and bad. I've followed Chelsea from basically every corner of the world. I served nine years in the British Army. Well, fair play to you, Tom. And tried to follow as best I could wherever I happened to be. I found out we lost the 2008 Champions League final on the Canadian Prairies via a text from my mum. How brilliant. I watched Iniesta score against us while we were robbed by that bastard Tom Henning Overbow while sitting in a tent in the middle of an Iraqi desert in 2009. And I watched Drogba stroke in that penalty against Bayern to finally clinch the Champions League while waiting to board a helicopter in Helmland province, Afghanistan in 2012. He's done a bit of service, Alex, hasn't he? Just nod, it's all right. Oh, you're back. Bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, fair play to him. Anyway, I was going to I'm write... Like, mm, but what regiment? What yeah, but do you know what, Alex? I was thinking exactly the same. Which regiment was that? Helmand in 2012. Which... Tommy, write in again and let me know. And yeah. I, I won't talk about it, obviously. But, it, but the Alex military and I want history to know. nerds need to know. Yeah, we're war bores, aren't we, Alex? War bores. The we're... badges are coming, man. The badges Oh, really? Coming. You need to yeah. get T-shirts done. No, they've done like little prefect badges from school, the little shield. I know, I know. War bore. I like that. You should still get T-shirts done. I am a war bore. There is merch coming. Yeah, get merch, get merch. We need to get merch. We definitely need to get merch up. Anyway, anyway, as as actually as Thomas says, anyway, I was going to, anyway, I should shut up and carry on with your email, Thomas, shouldn't I? Anyway, I was going to write in after the decision to sack Super Frank, but I decided to let the dust settle and see how I felt after Tuchel got started. Now... I love Frank Lampard. Always have, always will. My cat is even called Frank. Great name for a a cat is Frank. Uh, Almost as good as Bertie. Uh, And please don't think any less of me, but I'm kind of glad the club made the decision to let him go. Not even because of the obvious upturn and results, but I found I was far too... This is, do you know what? This is a brilliant point, which is something I think we have massively overlooked on this show. He says... I found I was far too invested in Chelsea's games while Frank was at the helm. Not only was I desperate for Chelsea to win every match, but I was also desperate for Frank not to lose. And it was exhausting towards the end. I'd fully bought into the idea of it being a project and using youngsters. But now Tuchel is in charge. It's actually quite refreshing to be the old Chelsea of zero excuses, expecting to progress in the Champions League and expecting to challenge for the league. The club has no excuses when it comes to ambition now. It feels so good again to have a manager who seems to know his tactics inside out, has more experience in managing top-level elite players, and someone who I'm not so desperate to succeed on a personal level. Let me repeat, I love Frank Lampard, but inevitably 
I feel myself being dragged into another love affair with Mr. Tuchel and will inevitably end in tears. Thomas, take my advice. Do not emotionally attach. It will <laughs> hurt you. Do not let yourself be hurt. Do not engage. Repeat. Do not engage. Do not move away down, from the down. Tuchel. You can wait until the can you wait till the end of the email, then you can dissent as much as you, you like. You haven't waited till the end of the email. I'm, at I'm, all. I'm, I'm, I'm engaging with the emailer. Oh, God, okay. Thank you, Mr. Director. Now, I'm concluding this letter the morning after knocking Atletico out of the Champions League and looking back on my pre-match feelings. I was relatively happy Tuchel would set us up not to lose that game, and as a result, qualification seemed simple. And it was. No matter how much I love Frank, I doubt I would have felt so confident going into a match of that magnitude with him in the dugout. Let's hope Tuchel can build on the small improvements in the attacking department we have begun to see in the past few weeks. And we will become a real force again, both in Europe and back home in the league. Up the Chelsea, kind regards, Thomas Fulton. Brilliant email, Thomas. Jonathan, you can engage now. Well, I, I, I think we're all being a bit negative when we say it will inevitably end in tears. We will inevitably don't become too emotionally involved with him. If he carries on winning stuff and uh, and they just get better and better, they'll hang on to him in the same way that, that Guardiola has been uh, has just progressed at, at City. They're not likely to get rid of somebody who is, well, being Chelsea, they might get rid of somebody who then who then doesn't quite win the I Champions. love it. Every time, every time. Reverse, 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 reverse. <laughs> no, I no, love no, you. No, love no, you with no, all I'm... my heart, JK, but the definition of insanity <laughs> is repeating the same act over and over again and expecting a different outcome. No, I'm hoping, I'm just saying, I'm hoping... <laughs> that we might get into a situation where he keeps winning and winning and winning and they don't get rid of him. I'm just hoping for that. Let's not be completely negative and say inevitably he will be sacked. Well, probably eventually, but he might retire. He might be 20 years in the job and we win everything over and over and over again. And then you'll all be laughing up your sleeves, won't you? <laughs> I'll let you off if you can say inevitably like they did in Team America. <laughs> no, no, don't you remember? What's what's the Martin? Uh, I, I, I always... didn't watch it. Oh <laughs> no! Okay, who? What's the current? What's the current Korean leader? North Korean leader called Kim Jong Il. Never probably. Never probably. That's the pre. That's the previous yeah, Korean. It is leader, the previous. Yeah. yeah, but he was. Hans Prick. What was it? Hans Hans Prick. Hans Prick. Fuck it, fucker. No, I I like the song best. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> sitting here all on my own. I will point out that if you think this is racist, it's in a film. film is in a film. Everyone. It's an American film. I hate Team to America. Yeah. It's called yeah. Team America World Police. Everyone gets a pass. It's the fa- it's the Family Guy defense. They rag everyone so they can't yeah. be racist. Yeah, it's, well, it's by the guys who did South Park. The sex scene between the puppets is hilarious. We that was that film was released and I was editing the best program I've ever made, and uh, when we were editing it, the editor was such a clever bloke. He set up little sound bites from the movie, which he could play just by pressing one button. And when any of the big bosses came in, he would he would like hit a button and it would, America, fuck yeah, <laughs> and then they would leave really quickly. It was brilliant. <laughs> anyway. We digress. Do you want to carry on engaging? From that is Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> That's all he says is his own name. Matt Damon. J.K. Do you want to carry on engaging, or have you engaged enough? I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I think that's the answer to that. Next email, Philip Francis. Uh, dearest of podcasts. Oh, Philip. Isn't that lovely, everybody? Lovely. Beautiful, oh, wow. man. Beautiful. Wow. Wow. Already wow. way too classy for us. Wow. Um, Long time listener, first time emailer. You should have you should have emailed sooner with that attitude, Philip. We love you. For now, I will save you the simple path which offered itself as an ephemeral afternoon distraction to where I find myself now. <coughs> totally and utterly lost in Chelsea. I would like to appeal to Gigi's organisational management and psychological background to review my hypothesis. He is, after all, a professional. What has happened to our dear Frank may have been very harsh, but it may prove to be the best learning and growth opportunity of his coaching career. On the other hand, it all may be the end of that. When the bitterness of sack, I love that, the bitterness of sack will have settled. It's almost Shakespearean. The bitterness of sack, sack being sherry, will have settled. Frank will surely see after he's passed wishing ill of his replacement that with the very same players that were available to him, Tuchel has turned our season around in a manner that Frank and none of us could have expected. But it has been very deliberate and exemplary. Surely some luck has to factor in, but I propose that Tuchel has been emotionally intelligent at every turn. The change was very brusque and somewhat unexpected as we just won at the weekend, albeit to a championship team, Luton. The new manager was appointed a day later and had less than 24 hours to introduce himself to the squad and prepare them for the big bad wolves. To most, surely he would have had no time to get his methods and concepts in. Surely he would lean on what would have been familiar to the side and leverage the existing relationships and interplay that existed with some of the starting side. Surely, after all, he would have a free pass with his first game less than 24 hours after having been introduced to his squad. Tuchel was the new dad that appeared in the dead of night too soon after the father figure, the hero dad that the youth looked up to was summarily dismissed. We were all shocked to see the lineup containing Alonso, Rudiger, Giroud, no Mount, no Reese, Callum at left back. He was surely mad in the head and didn't know his players. We were all at some stage of denial at the loss of our club legend who brought back our memories and carried our passion to see the team win. It would be very hard for us and it would take time to accept this new figure as ours. Tuchel understood that less than 24 hours would be too soon for the kids, our academy stars, who grew up watching and idolising Frank, who progressed so much under him. They would be affected the most by the sudden departure. And so he turned to the veterans, the discarded, the looked over, the not good enough, not inspired enough, as they would be energised to seize the opportunity to show that they can be trusted, have experience, energy, determination, guile, wit, dark arts that could be called upon to make a difference. Callum is an academy product. Why was he trusted to play? He'd not yet been able to show that he was fully back post-injury. He had to share time and allow the new kids the space to find their feet. He'd been scolded for not tracking back. He would have jumped on the opportunity and been energised and excited by this new idea that was planted in his head that would feature his best attribute, running at defenders. He performed amazingly. 
It's not that Mason, Tammy, Reese wouldn't be professional and wouldn't try their best this first match. They're professional. They're as good as they are, but they carried emotions and attachment, probably more so than others. Tuchel was allowing them time and space to grieve, to process, reintegrate and start to formulate a different story than what they'd imagined. A new plan. Contrast the stoic glare of Mason from the stands in that game to his cheer and jubilant celebration with Thiago and Giorgino, Giorginio at our game against Atleti. Frank was no longer charming but snapping back at reporters, not consulting with Jody during games, not seeming to instruct or attempt to change while games unravelled. We lacked answers, we leaked goals, we were weak in certain positions, we'd missed out adding rice to the mix, we had ingredients that had grown old, stale and with little resale value, as they were no longer valued by their own club, could no longer feature or showcase their talents. Whether this is the plan or the plan that gets us to the plan, Tuchel has played his cards very well. The players are energised by the success, we've become a fortress where waves of attacks crash and wane. The press is counter-pressed. Our passes pass dizzyingly, dizzyingly quickly in, around and between opposing players until their hopes pass. Their coaches' cries come back as exasperated replies. I know, shouted back in despair, the Burnley defender to his manager as he was well aware but just could not deal with Callum's new wings. Opposing managers, podcasters, show hosts are kept, are kept guessing at what will come next. The lineups or players change to fit the opponent and to try scenarios. Yes, we've become that solid that we test in live scenarios. We do not concede, save for the odd Trojan horse, Rudiger, or a wolf in sheep's clothing, Minamino. We're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. We're being called the better team by the coach of La Liga's number one side while conceding defeat. Our communications of what we're doing, why we're doing, what we're trying, our expectations, our respect for our players, our opponents are clear. My dream was that, the one to, that Frank was the one to take us on this journey, this year and future ones. It was not meant to be. My hope is that he will be back, having learnt from this, from other experiences, and take us on a wonderful ride where it will be our very own Super Frankie Lampard that leads us once more to glory. Until one, let's get this one, Toby. Sincerest thanks to the podcast voices in my head. Chidge, Kido, Kido, Kido. Uh, it's true, everybody. He did put it three times. I didn't repeat. <laughs> and esteemed club members, you bring the community closer to the bridge by the work you do. Thank you for making me feel part of the family. Very best, Philip Francis. Florida, not a Florida man. Keep the blue flag flying high. Mm, I guess that that was important. The not a Florida man, even though he lives in... Be like, I live in Leeds, but I am not a Leeds man. Yes, yes. yes indeed. That, that's it. Very poetic. Very Beautifully uh, written. Beautiful. Jesus. Beautiful. Puts yes. me to shame. Yeah. What do you think of it? Um, 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 it, it's this thing of wanting Frank to be. Uh, it's a very good point about not consulting with Jody during games because he didn't. He stopped stopped doing that. It's it's wanting Frank back in some some which we were discussing earlier, and um, uh, and also uh, the, uh, the the very good analysis of what he was doing with the first game, which was probably not only did he not want to be felt the kids. I mean, it's an interesting theory, isn't it, that the kids might have been um, too emotional playing in that first game against Wolves. But it also did energise those players that um, 
didn't think they were going to get back in again, and uh, which was very clever. So he's, uh, he's 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 made some very good points there, whilst being very poetic at the same time. So, um, but yes, you know, it's basically let you know get let's get behind Tuchel because he knows what he's doing. I mean, well, I, 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 I mean, Clark, I mean, you know, we got to move on, man. Let it go. You know, I, I I personally going back to that thing that we were talking about earlier on, Alex and uh, Martin. I don't think I'd like to see Frank come back. I think I think Thomas's point earlier on about being too in, too invo- uh, emotionally invested in Frank as a manager was absolutely right, Alex. No, it's not me. You miss your head was down. Wickham wants to say something. Yeah, oh, sorry. That's it was about Mount because I think he, when he came on late in that Wolves game, any question of him being too upset or emotional to play were quickly dispelled and he's he's been in there ever since I think a lot of those players were simply overplayed at that point that was at the period of the season when it was like a ridiculous amount of games Mount had pretty much featured in every one of them hadn't had a rest so there might have been a little bit of that to it um, and like I said he got, got on eventually and just played, has played ever since at the time would you Martin but what's become evident in the last few weeks is that Tuchel's a grown up there's none of this, I'm going to go in, shit on something Frank did, make my mark, this sort of bullshit, Allardyce-like wrecking ball attempt at going in, or Mourinho, Mourinho does it, he goes in and makes an enemy out of someone every time. Um, and you don't, you, we didn't know Tuchel, but actually in a few weeks it's become apparent the guy's a grown-up. Yeah, well, yeah. Yesterday, he does what he thinks is best and he's not, there's no game, I don't think there's any game play and he's very honest, I like that about him. I like his interviews. Yeah, the one concern I did have was that he'd just come off a job where he had been sacked after falling out with the director of football. But yeah, but thus everybody far, falls out. Li- everybody falls out with Leonardo, mate. <laughs> apart, from, apart from apart from the Mona Lisa, I'm, I'm thinking of that American guy, Tab Ramos, who got his head smashed in in the World Cup after he elbowed him smack of the jaw. But he he had a good reason to fall out of him. Yeah, but true enough, yeah. I, I, look, I think we've you know it's a kind of good way to wrap it up. Really, we've all we've all. Uh, really warm to Thomas Tuchel. I, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm adamant about this. I am not going to get emotionally attached to this man. I'm never going to get emotionally attached to another manager again. It is a fruitless exercise. But I'm, I'm. Lo- we, say, we, we said this after Mourinho. We said this after. No, but Pompey. I mean it this time. <laughs> I mean it this time. I won't get fooled yeah. again. I won't because it's. it's do you, do you want to get the drums or something? Yeah. <laughs> Here's that. the new boss, same as the old boss. Anyway, we have one more email which will, of course, give rise to the remarkable generational vocal talents of a certain uh, Mr. Kid, the uh, leader of the Rudy V's and other notable ensemblers of our time. Singing dentist. The singing dentist. Again, I've seen a video of that. That was hilarious. That was on something really nuts like. Uh, um, stars in their eyes or something, wasn't it? it may new faces, new faces. It may reform, Church. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is from your mate, funnily enough, uh, JK. Dave, my mate too, but I, I know that he, he talks to you a lot. Dave DeBrass, long-time listener. That I do know for a fact. And he says this. This he sent on Discord. I was watching Match of the Day yesterday and I was laughing at the commentator's pronunciation of Ethan Ampadu. It reminded me of the Black Lace song, Agadoo, and like myself, I know how much Kiddo also hates the same old predictable lazy chanting of players' names, with no thought gone into it whatsoever. So I have an, I have an excellent chant for Ampadu should he ever return from his loan spell to hopefully play for us again to the tune of Agadoo by Black Lace 
Take it away, JK. Emper do, 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 push pineapple, shake the tree. Emper do, 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 hates Tottenham but loves Chelsea. On the left or the right, he is fucking dynamite. Come and sing this song as we thrash the Tottenham scam. That bit doesn't quite rhyme, does it? Anyway. I think it's as we thrash the Tottenham scum. That would be how it would be sung. Okay. As we've met, what are we rhyming it with? Though? Come and sing this yeah. song as we thrash the Tottenham scum. Oh, I get it. Song and Tottenham. Yeah, clever. Clever, yeah. We're yeah. talking about 40,000 people that can't even clap in time to the lick of that. <laughs> I feel like you're... I feel like... Yeah, I don't think they're singing fucking Black Lotion. <laughs> oh, I thought my Westphalian friend to a game and he goes, this is what happens when you love fucking white men, no rhythm. But Dave is always very good at coming up with stuff. And I think that, that's brilliant. It's, it's beautiful, but I just feel like you're giving clever. It is. It, I always think I agree completely with that. When, when the number of people come up with stuff and you go, oh, wow, that's really good. Oh, that's terrific. It'll never make it. It just doesn't, you know. Well, no, one of them did. Which one was it recently that made that, like literally everyone? Oh, Kante and Bakayoko, that one. No. Oh, God, that's going back a bit, isn't it? Blimey. Oh, God, it's been so long since we went. Yeah, but even the, the Seth Fabricas one was a great one. That was really terrific. But even that... that... I think that I think the Too Cool Craftwork one by me is... is the... the Kansa, was it that Kanse one to gold? Or... Oh, yes. Angolo. Oh, no. no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that had about four lines to it. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a beautiful, beautiful effort, but... He's a trainer it. and he's looking good. I just he has to think be this... in that Chelsea oh, and it's understood. <laughs> I love it. I, I swear, man, you had a song for Anderson to the tune of Agadu as well. So the trouble with this, though, uh, unfortunately, Dave, is that I fear that um, Ampadu's been so bad for Sheffield United, we'll never see him again. Yeah, it's very possible. Who can well, say? Uh, sorry, Alex, you, you were about no, to I was say, I lost his cheek, not even getting a game for Fulham either. I know. I he's know. poor. He's, he's playing poorly. A, a mate of mine is a Fulham fan. Said. He, he, he said he's got the Chelsea disease. He said he dribbles into the penalty area and lays it off. Mm. Said, my Fulham mate said that um, he just likes bringing him off the bench, which sadly isn't the best thing for Loftus-Cheek. I just feel like I think we're going to look back and realise that that knee injury finished him. I think you could well be right. Now, we haven't quite finished yet because Dave follows this up. By the way, I, I, I like it, Dave. You know, Alex can, it, Alex, it, Alex can be Amanda Holden, Martin can be Simon Cowell, but I like it. He gets the thumbs up from me. Face isn't that frozen, is it? Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> could be your internet. The camera's working. It Jesus. could be your internet connection. my forehead naturally. All right, enough. <laughs> right, Dave finishes up by saying, don't forget where you heard it first. Last time I did the Stevie G song to Let It Be by the Beatles, some thieving scumbag ended up recording it and took all the credit for it, even though they basically sang every word of what I rewrote about Slippy G and put it on here. Hope you're all keeping well. Dave DeBrasse. There you go. Well, you know all about having your material ripped off, don't you, JK? Oh. <laughs> Indeed. I do it every night on the, on the Chelsea Fancast every Monday night. All the best jokes are actually JK's. I just nick them from him anyway. He's giggling. Okay, we, we've got to go. It's, I mean, I would say, it, I mean, it's been two and a half hours, but it has actually whizzed by. I have to say this to you lot. I, I've really enjoyed it tonight. You, it, it, I have felt like I've been in a pub with you tonight, which is which has been brilliant. Which is, I, I miss. It's lovely seeing Alex and uh, and Martin together. Actually, they're a, they're a good they're oh, a good team. And, 
Yeah, don't say the word pub for fuck's sake. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I retract. <laughs> I, wolf and his pub and his. Yeah. I, okay, bad, bad form, bad form. I will retract that. Anyway, enough. That is all we've got time for. I'm afraid this week, but J.K. and I will return like the bad pennies that we are uh, on Friday for a special Q and A show with Adam Newson and hopefully also. Sam Incasol, when I bothered to text him, from football.london. Uh, that, of course, will be going out 7 o'clock live on Mixler. Now, the plan for that one is that we'll be discussing all of the... Because there ain't no football this weekend, peeps. It's international yawn this week. Uh, but we will be discussing all the big uh, current Chelsea issues. I, I suspect JK will have a, a chat about the Roman uh, article. We can do that one, I think, and anything else that pops up this week. Uh, but we'll also be opening it up to all of the lovely... I think a nice thing to have, you know, all the Mixler people that will be in there, allow them to have their say. So I will actually do a, a proper job for once on Mixler and I will be looking out for your questions. And you've got two really good journalists, hopefully, as well as me and JK, and pick their brains too. So that'll be Friday. And then on Monday, in a similar vein, we're going to be doing another, uh, you know, longer Q&A special and that'll be with me, J.K. and Clayton and Liam Toomey from The Athletic. And this one is up, is open to anybody who's on Patreon or Discord and you can join us live on Zoom. Uh, you've already had messages on Patreon and Discord. So if you reply to that, if you want to if you want to be on the show, if you want to be on Zoom, let me know and I will send you a link before Monday. So there you go. What do you think about that, J.K.? More people in the Zoom, more guests. I'd be very happy with that. It means I wouldn't have to do much. No, me neither, hopefully. I don't have to write a bloody script this weekend, that's for sure. Great. Happy days. Happy days. But, I mean, Liam will be good. Clayton's always good value. And uh, I think, I mean, every time we've done a little Zoom session with the Patreon and the Discord people, it's always been really, really good. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, also, I think Dino is recording another episode of Went to Mo King's Meadow tonight. So I will on the Chelsea FC women's team, the marvellous Chelsea FC women's team. So hopefully that will come out tomorrow night when I've had time to edit it. And of course, the Fancast, as you all know, is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all sorts of other podcast distributors. And uh, there's also an app uh, by CFC Blues where they host lots and lots of Chelsea podcasts, including the Fancast, and you can get that here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Uh, now, thank you all the people who wrote in emails this week. We do love getting them. And as you know, we'll always try and read them all out. If you want to send one in, send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com uh, and pr- try and do it by Sunday early evening. Otherwise, you quite often will miss the cut. Uh, also, Patreon, Discord, Instagram, doesn't matter how you get hold of us. If you want us to read something out, we will do so. So there you go. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Alex at CFCGWLB, and Martin at Martin underscore Wickham. And as I said, everything else, at Chelsea Fancast. Alex, how delightful to see you again. Love you, Jim. Yeah, Love man, it's good to see you. Love yeah. you, Wickham, you sexy beast. Glad someone says that to me occasionally. There we go. So there's a lot of love in the room tonight. No, great to see you, Alex. Always is. Uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Martin, absolute bloody pleasure, mate. Lovely to see you. Yeah, definitely, mate. When are you kipping on the floor for charity? Uh, oh, God, I forgot. Oh, Martin, you are an absolute genius. I forgot I forgot my last... Because uh, it's three parts, you see. So I, I forgot to, to give the plug. 
You are dead right. This Saturday, I am doing the big virtual sleep out uh, with the Chelsea Supporters Trust, which is in aid of the Stoll uh, veterans who, of course, live next door to us at Stamford Bridge. Uh, And, you know, they've all served their country. Some of them have had a really tough time, a lot of mental health issues, PTSD, sleeping rough, homeless, you name it. And uh, the Stoll uh, charity looks after them and we're raising money for them because we, we like to try and do something for the homeless, which was really instigated by uh, the wonderful Ray Wilkins. If you remember that story about him uh, after he died, that came out. So me and uh, about 70 odd others from all over the world, I hasten to add, will be kipping out uh, on, on the streets, as it were, on Saturday night. Well, for me, that means I will be sleeping in my garage, which is about 30 yards that way. Um, I, I have to admit it does have Wi-Fi plumbed in, so it will be a bit luxurious. And I'm going to set the mood. I am going to set the mood uh, because I'm going to have a fire pit so I can get nice and warm before I kip on the floor, on the cold concrete floor of my garage. Uh, a fire pit, and uh, I bought a lovely bottle of Ockentoshan whiskey from Glasgow when I went up to Pablo's wedding just over a year ago. And I'm going to be drinking as much of that as I can. Again, all for insulation and warmth. There's a medical reason why I have to do this. And I shall be also smoking a very large stogie. I've got a nice Monte Cristo number two waiting for me on Saturday evening. And um, as English Dan has asked, pictures from the fire pit, please. Yes, many of us will be live tweeting uh, pictures, videos, all under the control of the Supporters Trust. So you can see our progress throughout the night not all of it obviously because i mean obviously there has to be a bit of common decency involved but generally every time i wake up freezing my bollocks off i will go this is chidge here live from the garage freezing my bollocks off wishing i was in my bed there you go so, Sl- slug of whiskey in so, uh, more whiskey thank you thank you thank you sop with oh no you're not here really honestly but something like that so it, i mean you know it won't be fun because i did it last time and it was bloody cold and, it, and concrete floors are really uncomfortable to sleep on who knew but it's for an excellent cause. I do have a Virgin uh, Money Giving page set up for the charity. If you want to know where that is, just go to my Stanford Chidge Twitter account, and it's pinned. It's a pinned tweet. Uh, many of you um, have given ridiculously generously, and I'm, I'm now very embarrassedly trying to find my list because I forgot to plug it earlier, but I'm going to give you a quick name check. Uh, the lovely Loz, Andrew, Graham, Russell, John Hailstone, Jack Davies, and Nick from That Chelsea Podcast. Tony Skeen, Vegas Kev, Alan Jones, Brian Justman, Sonny Luller, Chev, Phil Monday, Johnny B, Daryl Middleditch, Kerry Hawkins, Dan, Alan Gavarin, Ash Podado, John Mingola, sorry, Joe Mingola, Benji, Ellie, Simon Barker, Galen Rowell. You are all beautiful, beautiful, beautiful human beings. Not said in a Brendan Rogers style, I hasten to add, because you're much more beautiful than that for sponsoring me. But if anybody else wants to, the link uh, is, as I said, it's pinned to my Stamford Chidge Twitter feed. So there you go. Is that what you asked, Martin? Yeah, it was near enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. I completely forgot. What a spanner. Martin, it's been brilliant seeing you, as I said. I, Martin, I cannot wait to be in a flaming pub having a pint and a chat with you. That's going to be the biggest piss off of oh, all time. Oh, mate, I'm going to need I'm going to need carrying home from, from London. <laughs> this is a thing I, I am booking one day for the pub and about two days to recover oh, afterwards. Mate, I, I tell you, it's going to. So, I'll be the driver. Yeah, you're going to have to be, mate, because <laughs> I won't be capable of walking, let alone anything else. But it's going to be such a. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it, and I feel that we're nearer that because, as much as I love seeing you here on a Monday, I just know pint beer 
you lot pub it's just brilliant anyway enough of that uh now as for you mr kid you've been nothing short of fantastic this evening fantastic 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 I've fantastic been, i've been goaded by the two guests they've been great haven't they tonight I've had, yes i've had to try and up my game to deal with their ex yeah there you go we're going to do it all again on friday in a little bit of a different style because it'll be a q a with mixler people i'm looking forward to that hopefully we'll see you then uh mixler people tonight you've been brilliant as you always are we hope hopefully see a lot of you back in on friday now thanks for listening see you next week until then keep it blue keep it carefree keep it chills up the chills, up the chills. Oh, yeah.